Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. Lucky number 213, Neil. I guess. 213. Lucky. Sure. Why not? Of course, you can reach us where you can reach us at Punk Till I Die 77 at Gmail or Punk Till I Die podcast on Facebook or I know Instagram, too, even though we never answer our messages on Instagram. So, you know, we're in our fifth year, Tom. No. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. 19, 20, 21, 22, 20. That can't be right. <laughs> of course it is, man. We started in 2019. All right, whatever. We're just at the beginning of our, I don't know, I think you're cheating. Anyway, Neil, we, we have Matt's a very special, hard. We have a very special guest with us. We do. His name is Mark. He has put out a ton of your favorite punk rock records, whether you know it or not. Yes. Matter of fact, I dare say every self-respecting punk rocker has a couple of TKO records in their collection. They just have to. Welcome, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Somebody recommended a while back, they said, you should reach out to Mark from TKO Records, and we didn't know you. But then we later on got kind of an introduction. I think it was Jason Richardson's from Garage Rock Records. You know Jason? Richie? Yeah. I know Richie. Yeah, yeah, Richie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, I didn't realize. I I mean, I know that uh, it was uh, Jeff Clayton that made me aware of you guys. Okay. and, and that's what you know initially had me uh, reach out to you. But um, but I did. And going back, I did get to check out the episodes with uh, Richie and uh, Ray from Smogtown, and I thought those were really great. As oh, well. oh, cool! Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Smog- you put out some you put out some Smogtown stuff too, haven't you? I did. Yeah, I, I put out. It's funny. This has happened to me a couple times, but I put out the posthumous uh, release, uh, all wiped out when they uh, when they broke up. Yep. And Got that. Uh, when was that? And and then the comeback single uh, with uh, Ugly American Makeover and uh, a couple other tracks, too. Mm. Um, I was going to say, is that your thing? Like you sign a band, then they break up? <laughs> like the... Ah, you know, it, it, it's happened. Um, this whole <laughs> s- signing a band thing, that's kind of I'm kind of fuzzy on that. Uh, yeah, I kind of figured that might be the case. Well, I'll tell you what, especially based on some of the artists you have, I just can't imagine you're sitting down at a table and taking photographs and uh I could see like you know like pig champion sitting at like this press conference signing. <laughs> but I'll tell if you there what, was so- any justice, if there was any justice, there was. I'm at you know I actually have a, I have a dream. Well, I have lots of dreams. One of my one of my schemes that I'd like to do is there's here in Portland there's a block of Tibbetts Street that uh, the, the Poison Idea House used to be on, hmm. and I'd love someday to find a way to get it changed to Tom Roberts Way. Hmm. Um, See, that's very innocent sounding. I'd say just go straight up pig champion. Go straight pig champion. Well, you know, I mean, it's you, you got to sell this to the. I mean, it is Portland, dude. You could probably get away with it, right? I, I don't know. I well, mean, it's the, the other say, the other idea was that we were talking about doing this sort of guerrilla art project of just the called like the the Portland Punk Historical Society, and we just hmm. go and uh, without permission apply plaques to. Uh, Ah, there you go. Very sure. important look at, but but again, this is this is all uh, somebody with a lot more free time would be able to do. Yeah, this is retirement stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, like because I, I so where I live in Michigan, I'm on the west side uh-huh. of Michigan, actually, like Grand Rapids uh-huh. area. But okay, Inky yeah. Pop was born not 20 miles from where I live. Oh wow! Okay. And when I retire, my goal in life is going to be to get an Iggy Pop statue in Muskegon. That's going to be my goal. Now, my wife says, "Why don't you do it now while he's alive?" I'm like, "Cause I don't have time." Well, I'm sure you can't right. be the only one who's had that thought, right? I mean, someone yeah, else I'm must have thought of that. I'm surprised there isn't one already. Yeah. Well, I don't know that he was a 
uh, like a respect. I think it Respected. took until the seventies to become respectable <laughs> enough to get away with that. Like where you put a statue on because the other person who was born in Muskegon has a statue is uh, Buster Keaton. Oh, yeah. oh right. <laughs> so it's a, a little bit of a juxtaposition from Buster Keaton to Iggy Pop. And, and Maybe they could put Iggy Pop like standing on Buster Keaton's head, like he's walking in the crowd. And tell tell Mark who's the who's the famous one from your town, your little hometown there. Oh, my little hometown, Del Shannon. Yeah, Del Shannon's oh, really? from, uh, from his yes. little town that he lives in. It's little tiny, like 1950s style town that he lives in. Yeah. The most the most famous person to air out his own head with a shotgun in the year 1990, Del Shannon. That's right. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> So I'll tell you what, Mark. So let's. So the thing that's fascinating to me, because I was looking at this guy's kind of going through your stuff. How many releases? How many? How many releases does DKO have? It's over three hundred, right? Uh, it's definitely over two hundred. Over um, two hundred. I, I honestly don't know. Discog. Is that right? Discog <laughs> said two ninety nine. Believe it or not. Yeah. See, well, I wonder if it I, counts multiple versions or something. Then. Yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if they're counting. You know, if they're counting like uh, mul- multiple formats. I haven't. I haven't gone through our discogs with a fine tooth comb. Um, though, I mean, that's a, you know, it's an incredible resource and a lot, you know, I rely on it a lot when I can't remember, uh, certain details, but there's little things like there's, there's a couple other, uh, TKO records out there in the world, you know, it being hmm. not the most original name. Um, and, uh, Oh, it had those so, too. Cause I was looking at those first. It was like, this doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a Japanese metal label. Yep. And then, hmm. and then there's uh and then the one I've dealt with or, and I had to actually do some come to sort of an illegal agreement with uh was um tko's the kruger organization which is part of the uh ember ember or embers records family uh from england so it's actually they're they're attached to one of the oldest record labels in hmm. the world and they they deal with a lot of like i don't know louis armstrong live in amsterdam <laughs> you know they could just kind of big sort of big band uh not, hmm. not necessarily jazz but like a lot of just sort of like classic stuff. Like I'll occasionally get uh, somebody from the, we're, well, man, we're already on a super freaking tangent right now. That's I'll, right. I'll, <laughs> this is what we do. I'll, this is what we yeah, do. I'll, we go two hours, we go two hours. It'll be fine. <laughs> right on, man. I, I occasionally like I'll hear from folks, you know, I'll get an email saying, um, I'm trying to license this, you know, uh, Cab Calloway song for a movie <laughs> I'm working on. I somehow get the suspicion that this isn't the correct, TKO records on it. No, dude, you should say you should say yes. Send me a check for ten thousand dollars. It's all yours. <laughs> yeah, my email said. My email. If was I was simple, smart, said, yeah, that's what. I, that's what. I, <laughs> the email said. Adi, 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 adi. <laughs> Though speaking from experience, uh, man, the soundtrack people don't ever have any money, and they don't ever want to pay. No. That's that's a whole that's a whole other tangent. But anyway, um, they must have some money. You know, I saw what Joey Ramone's publishing just sold for. Now, granted, that's the Ramones, not you know Poison Idea or any scene. But nevertheless, it, it was a pretty good amount of money. They must figure they're going to be able to get that in some films and some other. Oh, for I sure. The, I suppose the Spider Man thing was pretty big. They put their Ramone songs in the Spider Man film. But no, anyway, man, the venture the venture capitalists have totally moved into music IP. I mean, that's yeah. without a doubt, you know. Um, so they're going to ruin it like they do everything else they touch. Yeah, we'll see. But, you know, we can get away with a lot of fun stuff while they're not looking, you know. Um, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so so pretty much every label guy that I know started their label because there was a band they wanted to put out, whether it was their own band or some local band they felt deserved a record. What was that band for TKO? Uh, One Man Army. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. From San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I put out their second release. Um and uh it they were the they were the main focus but um 
I mean, now look, you know, having the benefit of hindsight, looking back, it, what was going on around like 96, 97 in San Francisco was, um, you know, it's, San Francisco's always been a center for sure. punk music. And, you know, it's, it, the scenes, you know, never, the, the scene waxes and wanes, but it never, it never, uh, never goes away out, down. you know, yeah. and, um, yeah, around yeah, I want to say like around like '96 was about the time I got to town, and um, you know, there's lots of music going on, lots of different styles, and there were you know at the time, uh, Lookout Records was very established, uh, Fat Records, of course, was was very established as far as sort of Bay Area centers of activity, um, and then you also had like Rip Off Records and all the all the kind of more garage. Sure. Orient- orientated stuff and there was a scene of bands uh like one man army the reducers uh the working stiffs um uh the randoms and you know and then later bands like the bodies that didn't they didn't really fit into any of those uh categories all that much you know hmm. now, and now you said you moved to san francisco where, where were you from originally um, I'm well. I grew up in Virginia, but I, I had been I had been living in Boston, and mm. uh, before moving to San Francisco, and um, you know I just was I was looking for a change of scenery. I moved out there. I, my uh, my younger sister and some other people from our hometown had, had just gone out there, so I just kind of tagged along and slept on some couches for a little while, um, you know, and ended up uh, falling in with this this group of people. Hmm, cool. Um, and it, yeah, it was just one of those things where. You know, no, they they were sort of fumbling around the whole, you know, it's, it's an outdated mindset now of just trying, you know, trying to find a label, trying to, you know, sure. follow these sort of tried and true avenues. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, just from my friendship, those guys were kind enough to uh, trust me with uh, their, their second recording. And um, it was kind of one of those things where I, I just sort of did a dare with myself where I was, you know, when we were doing the first run uh, down at Erica Records. They're like, well, how many do you want to make? And I just sort of said to myself, you know, I'm going to order a thousand of these things. And if I can't get rid of these, I probably don't have any business, uh, you know, doing this stuff. So that was an LP Um, or that was a seven inch? That was a uh, four song seven inch. Uh, Bootlegger Son. I don't know if you're how familiar you are with those guys. I'm not super familiar with One Man Army. It's actually kind of surprised me because that style. I don't think they're necessarily the style that your label would become kind of known for over the over the years. The only thing I really have by them is that split they did on BYO. Oh right, well that's Around I mean that's definitely later so. later for them and and they're and they they definitely that was after a couple records on uh, Adeline. Okay. So um, I think that you know once they once they started recording albums, uh, you know the, just the recording studio they were going to and the people they were working with it kind of got. They sort of got a little bit more of a homogenized sound with some of the more Bay Area polished. stuff. Yeah. yeah, it kind of leaned more towards. What was Adeline? That was a subsidiary, one of the big labels or something, wasn't it? Was that Adeline, Fat? You know, I don't know. I don't or know the full up. history of it, but it was um, it was Billy Joe Armstrong had something to do with it. It was Billy from it was yeah. Billy from oh, okay. uh, Green Day, and then it was uh, Jim Thebo from uh, skateboarder uh, the, from the skateboarder, yeah, yeah. Skate, skateboarding industry, and uh, that was a yeah, that was like a project they did together, and I want to say that. One Man Army was the first band they signed. Um, mm. So, yeah, if you listen to like the stuff I did, if you listen to, there's a track on a, a Chapter Eleven comp called um, what's it called, like Insufficient Funds or something like that. 
Yeah, the 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 one man the, that one man army stuff is a leans a little bit more on like kind of like the stiff little fingers hmm. style, you know, maybe a little toy dolls in there. So, um, hmm. so it's a little bit a little bit more of an edge. I mean, but these these bands were basically all in, in the Bay Area. They were all sort of forming in the shadow of like the Swinging Utters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. A lot of a lot of those, especially like the working stiffs and reducers and stuff, they really yeah, do remind yeah. me of of that. Of that kind I of those, those were all guys. I, I, have who, at I mean, least they a were. Couple of records, mate. They were friends. Those, I mean, they were all from the same the same circles. You know, I mean, you had sure. you had uh, you know you, the, you know Toby from Reducers filled in for Greg and Swing Utters when you know when Greg couldn't tour sometime. I think uh, Kevin from the Utters ended up joining the Working Stiffs later on. So yeah, it was all kind of the same the same social circles. But um, but yeah, that was just kind of and that's sort of what got called San Francisco street punk. You know, as yeah. much as, as as maligned as the whole. Uh, street punk uh, subgenre tag is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it means um, it means a lot of things, doesn't it? Um, yeah, depending on what well, part of the country it, you're in. But I don't. You know. It's not a negative to me, though. Oh, it's I mean, not still, at all. No. I still love that. I, as a matter of fact, at work today, I listened to Bone Crusher and what else? Concrete Elite. I mean, I listened to a lot oh, of yeah, that stuff yeah. today. So, had you got any any uh, history in the uh, in the record industry before that, or did, did you just decide to start this record label right out of the blue? Um, I had worked. Uh, I'd, I'd worked in music a, a little bit in Boston. I mean, very, very humbly. Um, I was I was a warehouse picker at um, Rounder Records in in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. which was a uh, well, I think they're still around. They're they're sort of like an American Roots uh, label, Didn't and then they and then they, they had a distribution company called uh, called DNA, and um, I was there when DNA. In, in Boston, merged with Valley in um, Sacramento, California, which was kind of attached to Tower Records and all that. So um, that was kind of my first taste of you know being around the you know being behind the curtain mm-hmm. as far as industry stuff. And then after working at Rounder, I I worked I was on the security team for a couple of years at the Rat in Boston, which I don't. Wow, yeah, legendary. famous. Yeah, famous. Venue. Yeah. 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 So you guys are familiar. Yeah. yeah. So I was. Yeah. I was. I was the smallest, wimpiest bouncer <laughs> that, that the rat <laughs> the rat ever had. Um, but uh, yeah, I got to you know, and, and again, like between those, between working at Rounder and, and, and getting to see, just getting a kind of a vague idea of, um, you know, how how things work as far as getting records distributed, and then and then uh, you know, having literally a front row seat uh for for this kind of weird period in the boston scene it was it was before it was right before the dropkick guys started it was like i left and then dropkick murphy started um but you like, kind of missed like the you missed the freeze and gangrene and all those kind of like classic i ss ssd and all that as far as far as like the heyday of that absolutely yeah i was there we're t- just this, like really 90s we're talking like 92 93 yeah really nice yeah so it was um like the neighborhood, if you're going to, we're going to talk about like old Boston, like the neighborhoods were still playing. Um, I mm. saw, I saw a reunion gig at the dogmatics, which obviously the one brother who's dead mm. wasn't there, but I mean, that was, that was kind of cool. Um, but it was a lot of, like you're saying, like the freeze and gangrene, like they, if I don't know what the freeze guys were doing, but I think gangrene were, that's when they were uh, doing the cash grab, like so many people did then, and I think yeah, kind of went they, crossover. Yeah, well, they yeah. put together they put together some other kind of like one of those weird like you know insta insta punk bands that that got put together and then immediately signed to major labels. I, I forget. I forget Wasn't Clover? You're not thinking Clover, are you? 
Chris Doherty on the floor for I a while. I think that might be it, man. Yeah, yeah. See, so, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Chris Doherty fan, but yeah, his quality huh? control wasn't always amazing. But even those kind of metal albums he did, the Gangrene kind of metally albums, I still like them. They're still pretty near and dear to my heart. But like major label crossover albums, man. The right. Yeah, I've gonna... got a soft spot for for another wasted night. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to beat up on. Well, on no. Chris. Even after that, though, what were the other? He did like two of them on like Road Racer or something. Like they were kind of like crossover thrashy, trying to do like the. Kind of older, do, but older Budweiser. Older Budweiser, yep. And the other yeah. one was th- there was two in a row. They were kind of both thrashy. I don't know why I can't think of it at the moment. But then, anyway, they're both. I, I enjoy them, but I know what you're saying. They weren't punk. But I, I was definitely arriving at kind of the end, the end of that whole. Yeah. Or, or, or the, the, you know, the, in the ruins of that whole thing. Like I, I want to sure. say, uh, like Al, Al Baril, uh I'm playing with fire, even bringing his name up because I'm still <laughs> scared of him. Like all of us should be. <laughs> But uh, Al, Al, Al uh I think I saw him play. He had he came and played the Rat, and it was like a weird kind of alt rock band called Gage. Hmm. Oh dear, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, so it was that. It was that period. You had a lot of you know. There was a, there was a lot of <laughs> there, there was a lot of what I like to call. Uh, and this was an idea. Maybe you guys can steal this idea from me. Uh, Crimes against punk rock, where <laughs> you, you, you 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 examine the kind of questionable records made by bands or made by members of from those kind of weird periods you know um like uh into, into, into the unknown by yeah, bad yeah, bad religious, yeah. yeah you could it could be a whole series it's, it's actually well uh, it, it, there is a lot of that and and most of those bands though did find their way back and punk rockers are pretty forgiving so they we just kind of it's like when they reboot a movie, we just pretend some of that stuff never happened. Like it oh, just went from one good record to the next. No, you're totally right, man. And and I, and and don't get me wrong, I this whole this whole concept is done with love. And I, and I certainly, if you were gonna, someone was gonna do a podcast or something, I, the way I envision it is that you would give the the target, <laughs> the accused, a chance to come on and kind of you know. <laughs> And, and kind of air, you know, kind of, you know, because it was, there's things like the the Brigade, you know. Yeah. Um, or what was the band? You guys will probably know this because it seems like you guys are pretty plugged into this kind of stuff. The band that uh, Sean Stern did with Tommy Stupid. Oh, like the, the jazz band or like the cocktail? No, no. no was, I, I know what like he means. They were, be, they were trying to be like U2 or something. Yeah, I know what oh, he means. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like short dreads yeah, Tom, yeah <laughs> tommy was always into uh trying to be famous yeah and then he right, got it right, he got right. his well, he got his wish in the end yeah that's the truth isn't it though if you really if they're all being honest they're probably like you know i wanted to buy a house i wanted to be able to make a living and not have to work at the gas station when i got home from tours or, or whatever yeah. oh sure and that's the that's the joke too it's really easy to you know call these call people sellouts or criticize them when you're you know sitting on your mom's couch yeah, uh, exactly. you know, so no i i I, to- I totally get it and you know my attitude when people brought that kind of stuff up to me i was like well man i think these guys these guys are artists and i think they should be able to make a living yeah to being themselves i mean do you really want to go in and see uh i don't know do you want to go in a subway and see join peters making your sandwich for you it's like no man. i sort of would, <laughs> i sort of would enjoy that i think if he if he wanted to talk a little bit about the old days Right. Well, but you, you get what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, so no, I totally are, get these it. Are, these are people that don't, you know, that they've, you know, they're, they're creative people that don't have a lot of uh, other prospects. So can you really fault them? Well, it's uh, funny because I'm not really a Green Day fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I remember when they got signed, their, their first couple albums are okay. Right, but the, right. when they got signed, Billy Joe said, hey, listen, I was poor my whole life. I want to buy my mom a house, you know, it's like or, or something. He said something like that. And it's hard to fault a guy 
who never had a pot to piss in for, you know, get an opportunity to make a little money. Now, what yeah, they become, I, what they become in the last decade or two, I don't know what the excuse is, but you know, whatever. No, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, we we all have to survive in this, uh, <laughs> you know, in this, in this, uh, in the decaying, burnout husk of this country. <laughs> well, wow, and the decline, you know, burnout husk I, of the music industry too. Yeah, you know? let, no, ex exactly. I'm I'm digging through the ruins right now, man. So it's, yeah. yeah. Let me ask you about I, the rats a second. It. The rat must have been mm -hmm. around for decades because um, the Jam have a very famous bootleg playing at the Rat in like '77. So that place they, must have been around forever. They, no, they they started. Um, 73 i think um, wow yeah because i, I want to say there? no no it's okay. uh you know what ultimately happens uh bu from what i understand finally it, like for for the longest time the the property that the rat and there were i think there was like three other businesses were on it was the one part of kenmore square in boston that wasn't owned by bu mm. and so when i was there you know we would I wouldn't say constantly, but at least on a regular basis, uh, be getting harassed by like, you know, I'd be working the back door and, you know, some totally out of place middle aged couple would come up and be like, you know, hey, my man, hey, fellow rocker, what's going on? You know, try, <laughs> try, trying to sneak, trying to sneak downstairs. And I'd be like, no, nah, man, you got to go up front and pay. And then they'd put an ATF badge in my face and be like, all right, kid, go get your boss. You guys are you guys are way over capacity, you know. And, ah. and so so it was, you know. So I think eventually they they must have made uh, what was that owner's name? Jim Harold. They must have made Jim an offer he couldn't refuse on that property, and mm -hmm. you know. So they because they wanted Kimmore Square to be like this nice kind of Disneyland set. So when when out of town parents were coming and visiting and taking their kids to look at BU, um, you know, it'd be this safe, idyllic, gentrified area. And and the rat was always like the, the, the scar on the face, you know, that they couldn't they didn't like, want to see a bunch of stinky you know? bunch of stinky tattooed smacked out kids wandering around. Yeah, and and, and I will say too, uh definitely like the, the still to this day the most intense violence I've ever seen at, at uh punk shows. Really? <laughs> it was the yeah. Well, I guess um, SD and some of those bands, yeah, they were very Yeah, yeah I'm not even talking about that, man. But but yeah, it was yeah, it was it was um you know, it was it was pretty real. Um, hmm. So, yeah. But oddly enough, the, the the funniest thing I say that's the worst punk violence I've ever seen. But when I was living there during the uh, the baseball strike, and when the red when the Red Sox started playing again, <laughs> it was like '94 was the strike, right? '94, I think. When the Red Sox fans came back to Kenmore Square. <laughs> They were worse. Forget, forget the punks, man. Forget the punks and the scads or whatever, man. Those guys, oh, it was brutal. I, yeah. Drunk I baseball it. fans? Yeah. yeah. We, see, we see it at Wrigley Field. We see it at Wrigley Record label stuff. But, I mean, yeah, those guys were, I mean, it just, uh, just a whole nother. It put things in perspective for me, definitely, when I seen, seen two guys that came to the bar together later. They've been scuffling. We just, all we had to do was just get them out and get them off the property and onto the sidewalk. <laughs> And then we're watching them run each other's heads in the car bumpers, uh, <laughs> front, you know. Yeah, so kind of kind of eye opening. Um, I don't know. Bo I don't know if Boston's calmed down since I was there, but uh, yeah, that's that's what was that's what was popping. I'm almost I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, Neil. But my the reason I really know the Rat is because there's a pretty famous classic queer song called oh. "I Met Her at the Rat." Yeah. 
Okay, well, there you go. But I'll tell you what, let's play a song. Uh, so much for my 10 minutes between songs. That's really going well, huh? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, we haven't even got to San Francisco yet. <laughs> are, we, are we even talking music, about music yet at all? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, baseball and fighting, yeah. <laughs> so what's this first song? Tell us about the first song that you've picked tonight. Okay, I believe track number one is uh, Templar's Tune. Yep. And it, it's from our uh, newly released uh, reissue of the Outreamer album. Uh, I don't know how how deep you guys go with the Templars, but um, not super deep. This is a this is a record from uh, early two thousands, and it it was them. Uh, Templars are, are are one of part of their whole signature sound is that a majority of their their musical output was self recorded. Yeah, know? it's definitely got a lo fi kind of thing going and on, it, and it's you know, and obviously that's had a big influence on you know, a lot of a lot of current bands from you know in that direction, but um. Outreamer was when they had actually, this was after they had done a couple albums in a conventional studio uh, for for GMM records. Ah. Out, Outreamer was the return to them going back to the home recording setup. So it's kind of, you know, for, for serious Templars fans, it's, you know, for the Templars heads, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a cult, a cult favorite of a cult classic of a cult band. Um, but um yeah, I've, I've been, you know, Templars have been working with me on and off uh, uh, since 1997. I mean, that was uh, TKO number four was a, mm. split re- a split release between them and the lower class brats. And, you know, I've been friends with those guys uh, since then. And a, and a couple of years ago, um, I, you know, I convinced I convinced them to, uh, you know, start working on reissuing like a, a big chunk of their output and sort of resurrecting their, their old imprint, uh, Temple Comb records. And New York, um, right? They're New York. In New York originally, I mean, they're all, you know, we're all adults now. So there's, they're spread out all over the country or even the globe. I think a couple of them are, are in Europe, uh, mm. at least part-time now. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, yeah, no, they originate from uh, strong Island. <laughs> oh, is that right? Okay. Long Island, yeah. Not long Island, New York. Yeah. Um, but this is, yeah. Outreamer is, let me look. I think it's the the eighth of the um, of the Templars reissues that we've done. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's uh, not not all of them are currently in print, but uh, but yeah, we put that out into uh, last year, you know, in December, and uh, yeah, just super. I, I, I'm a I'm a diehard fan. I, I love everything by them. I mean, they're you know they're one of those bands. If you dig them, they've never made a bad record. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm kicking things off with. How's that for the 10-minute intro to the 10-minute? There you go. That was good. <laughs> and which, which song is it we're going to hear? Um, which one is it? On the Edge. There you go. I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Teach. I'll quit. Yeah, on, on the Edge. Yeah. Side A, track four. All right. Let's yeah. give it a listen. Yeah. 
Templars with on the edge. So yeah. So I got I got a question that I and I I don't think I'm picking at any kind of a scab here at all. But like two years ago we had Skip on from Pirates Press. Oh Skippy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he said that his like first experience of the business was working for you or with with you, right? Yeah, he was our intern. Yeah. Ah. So so the funny thing is I noticed over the years you guys have shared a lot of bands. Is it a a like a cooperative effort? Is it a friendly rivalry? Is it a bitter rivalry? What's the <laughs> oh there, no? There's there's no there's no bitterness at all. Um, I'm I'm uh, not that I mean to take any credit for what he's accomplished, but I'm I'm a like a proud papa. Yeah, that's uh, pretty that's cool stuff, up. man. Heart yeah, he he's cool. um you know he he came to us when he yeah, got he was like 17. I mean he used to he used to live in the back room at the old. At, the old TKO flat in San Francisco and, and like sleep back there and do the mail order. I mean, you know, I, I know him quite well and um, you know what he's managed to accomplish these past, I mean, it's, what are they like in their 12th or 13th year now? Sounds about I mean, right. It, it, it just, it boggles the mind. I, I remember a few years ago, I want to say this is 2009, which was the last time I made it to other than like going to his, his, uh, his bachelor party before he got married. Um, that was the last time I'd, I'd gone up to see them. It was one of the times Cox Bar was playing. And, um, oh, yeah. I remember sitting back with me, and then there were maybe like three of, of uh, a, couple, a couple of guys that were from the original TKO crew who, who you know, worked at the label and, and played in some of the bands. And we're just sort of sitting back looking at all that's going on. And, and I, I turned to them and was like, man, we all saw the same thing. Like we were all here together with Eric. And we all saw the same thing, and like, look what he did with it. Yeah, I mean, the guy—it just what a monster, you know? What a what a I mean, just the the drive's incredible, and um, you know, so you know, we're we're quite close, and he definitely there was a period where 
I had paused the label and I was kind of trying to regroup and um, he, he basically for a couple years like funded uh, TKO's output and, and was, mm. you know, was, and was pressing records for me with, with not a whole lot of regard of, you know, when I'd pay him back. Okay, because um, I saw because so, I know like the reducers SF have been on both of your labels. Temple he did a Templars thing. There's a bunch of did. yeah yeah. There's yeah. a bunch of like I said like common bands, and I didn't know if it was like a well I don't really have the time or energy this year to do this. Will you do it or I I, I don't know. Uh, I was just kind of curious how that worked. I'm glad that it's a you know it's a friendly kind of working together. Oh kind of relationship. yeah, friend. I mean it's it's really like a family thing. Um, you know, and and even now where. Uh, you know, because I'm for my day job, I'm involved in vinyl production now. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask you about and, that. Uh, yeah, I kind of I yeah. heard some, somebody told me to ask you about about Cascade pressing. Right, plan. which is that's a, that's a that whole now. other that's a whole other episode. Okay. Onto itself, but, but um, <laughs> book I mean, it, Dan. You know, Eric, Eric and I, but I mean, Eric and I, you know, from you know every few months, we'll sort of just check in and be like, because it's we're we're kind of approaching the same market and the same industry from two different places, where he's you know he is um you know largely uh he's a high volume uh brokerage outfit um you know where he's he's not handling the the manufacturing direct but he's you know he's doing you know pretty much everything that that facility in czech republic's doing yeah i think he pretty much handles all of america for them and then you know we're just you know on a, on a much smaller scale actually doing production here so we're coming at it from two different perspectives but i mean we'll, you know we'll call each other and check in and just say like hey man how's it going how's things looking on your side what are you guys dealing with right now so and um you know and, and he's he's been a uh as, as i've as i've gotten into this part of what i do he, you know he's been an incredible resource and it's definitely a case of you know the the, the, the students become the master now you know um but uh, but yeah, I you know I'm 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 immensely proud of everything he's done and everything he's continued to do. Um, I I think that when people talk about the the resurgence of the vinyl comeback and and, and you know a lot of credit goes to things like uh, you know Record Store Day and and, sure. and some other things and Jack White and you know all the obvious. I hate spots, to say it, but. but- and millennials so, and Gen Z picking up on the vinyl thing—it's big, man. Well, well, sure, no, man, and and that's again having, you know, having run—I mean, I've run the label, but I mean, you know, TKO had a store for uh, thirteen years, and so which and I was there for eight of those. So see, I, mean, I was wondering if you still did now, but you don't—you know, okay, you don't have a storefront at this point. No, no, I, I got out of the store in 2016 because at that point I was here in Oregon, and. Um, it was taken over by just some folks that that were working for me before, and then they kept it going until I think when COVID hit January 2020. I think they were like, "Yeah, yeah, fuck this." Try mm. so so they yeah it's it's been closed since then. But um, so what's the I, so what's I was gonna say um, so what's the time frame for being in San Francisco then? Uh, that was let's see, ninety six to two thousand two. Okay. And then where? Then I went back to to Virginia because um, at oh, that really? point, at that point, I was married. I was a new dad. Um, you know, my my wife and I were sort of we were you know not really feeling you know San Francisco was a fun place you know when you're in your twenties and run around and stand out all night you know going to going to gigs and stuff. But um, you know, as new parents we thought we wanted, you know, maybe downshift a little bit. So, um, 
we we went back to Virginia for a couple of years. Um, were you were you like in Richmond or were you like by I, DC I, or were you like on the country? I was in Richmond. The original, okay. They had a pretty good little scene there too, actually. They did. It's it's funny. There was another case where, you know, I met some people on the ground, like uh, you know, the p- people who would go on to uh, start bands like Direct Control and Government Warning. Oh yeah. Uh, no No Way Records. Um, you know, they were. I mean, Brandon. You know, from from that band, he he was like a pizza delivery guy <laughs> that would come <laughs> would come by the TKO office and want to talk about hardcore. You know, and he's, you know, telling me how he just quit, uh, he just quit playing drums for municipal waste. Cause I don't, I don't know what it was. He was, he was pissed at them for signing to earache. Like that was like a sell. That was a, that was a bad choice. Yeah. He was like, fuck that man. Cause they, I think before they Done were on pretty like, well, they were on, um, six weeks or something like that before. What was the first record on? I think they were on six weeks. The old I mean, yeah. But like a legit underground. Yeah. So then when they, when they went to earache, I think he quit and he was like, no, fuck that. Well, could you imagine, could you imagine thinking earache was too big? I mean, now, they're on, <laughs> well, now they're on, well, uh, it, it reminds me of in high school when I fucking when uh, I didn't go see Joe Strummer because he was a fucking when he was playing a, a solo gig and that wasn't punk and, <laughs> and uh, yeah I regret that now I got to see him later but but yeah I I, I could have seen him on the earthquake weather tour but that, yeah at the time that's, I was uh, that's a weird thing with, weird thing with parenting isn't it it's like man I couldn't you can't wait to get out of your town whatever town you grow up in you can't wait to get out of it. Because you're you hate it so much, and then when you have kids, you're like, oh, I want them to have the same upbringing I had that I hated. It's it's a weird it's a weird phenomenon. <laughs> oh yeah, you, we'd go back and be like, yeah, it's not so bad here, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I get. I also think too, just for you know, hometowns. I guess they don't have to be, but you know, it, unless you're already in some place that's happening, hometowns are really best to be escaped from. You know, like you're, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have a more interesting life if if uh, you, <laughs> right, you, you, you come up in a situation where you know where, where you're like, okay, I gotta I, I gotta get out of this fucking place, man. I get you know, it's, yeah. it's a great motivator. You know, well, and you can come, and if you come back to it on your own terms, I think there is something to that. You know, I think that's okay. For sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. On that note, let's play another song. Wow, you keeping it, get, getting us back on track, huh? Okay. <laughs> I am. I'm gonna get us back on track. Well, oh, no, okay. it's it's been quite a few minutes again. Been, Listen, Neil. It's been, I'm trying to be professional here. Just kidding. It's been seven minutes. Okay. Um, this next band you play. It just seemed like a good segue. This, this, this is a good place to yeah, Tom. You're, this is my hometown by Bruce Springsteen. You're, yeah. you're a fucking tyrant. And on that note, Tom. Uh, <laughs> on that note, Mark. What is this next song? <laughs> okay, this is from uh, a release that is coming out any minute now. In fact, the, the records are pressed, and they're in. They're on the other side of the window out there, I'm waiting for the goddamn inner sleeves to show up. Um, it's murder right now. But anyway, Tyrant, uh, they're a, a uh, Danish hardcore band with, with a pretty steep uh, oi influence from uh, hmm. Copenhagen. Um, and they're, they're, one of those, they're one of those bands that have kind of keyed into the whole uh, hardcore dudes playing oi mm-hmm. songs project, which I think is actually... Uh, and a lot, lately, that's been a that's been a, a recipe for success. But uh, their their original seven inch came out, and it was one of those things where there's only three hundred or five hundred pressed. It sold out immediately, and it's it's like a collector's item now. Was it on TKO? And it was not. Okay. Um, I, gosh, I'm trying to remember. It was on a European label. It was a real pain in the ass for me to get. Um, but anyway, they've gotten back together. They've recorded some more songs, and so this is their first domestic. U.S. release, and I've collected the first two EPs onto one 12-inch, and that's actually what I was here. The, the listeners at home can't see, but you got a nice kind of Tama Finland 
skinhead vibe going on there. Oh yeah. I think it's a but it's a baton. Ah uh, yes. There you, there you go. So um so you've got two members from the band the hardcore band uh Night Fever. Okay. And then I think there's members of uh Cesspool too, which is also uh Copenhagen based. Uh, my my sort of end with that band is that uh there's an American. Uh their guitarist uh Will Kenzer, um he he actually you know, was a was a in his late teens when the original TKO scene was popping off in the Bay Area. So he grew up as a you know a TKO kid, going to going to those shows. And then he went on to be in um, he was in uh, Born Dead on Prank Records, hmm. and he's played played in a lot of bands. Played with the Red Dons, uh, I think uh, Dope Charge, a lot of Bay Area hardcore. And hmm. um, you know now he's in now he's in Cesspool, which is kind of a more straight ahead. Uh, noisy hardcore band and then um and then tyrant um so i i guess how this kind of came about is um last year was tko's 25th anniversary and uh just because of all the upheaval and you know the pandemic and everything it, di it didn't seem feasible for us to do some sort of like reunion or festival or something like that so i guess to to mark uh the 25th year after a few years of just working with you know these four bands that i have you know decades of history with i i decided to kind of open the books and um just book some releases by current bands that i dug that kind of reminded me of uh you know some of the stuff from from the label's early days mm -hmm. and so the, the first one of those was um uh savage beat from amsterdam we did it we did a double seven inch with them at the beginning of the year and then um let's see after that uh, I did a, a record with uh, Soft Kill, a seven inch with Soft Kill, who's a local Portland kind of post punk band. Um, it was that was kind of like a Blitz themed, uh, like a Blitz tribute with two two Blitz covers. It's got new. I remember seeing the cover yeah, of got, seven inch. It's got yeah. New Age on it, right? Yeah, they do. They do. They do New Age, and then they do Fatigue. So they just cover that single straight. But um, so I haven't heard that, but I've seen it. Yeah, well, the, well, the artwork that was a that was a total psycho COVID project where. I heard that they that they had just you know recorded a home did a home recording of that cover, and you know I knew them from the pressing plant. I contacted them like, hey, what are you guys doing with that Blitz cover? And I, I don't know. What do you want to do? I was like, well, I want you to go back in and record the B side. We'll get Jerry from Poison Idea to sing, and we'll do a <laughs> single. And so it happened. And then just to kind of because I love I love fucking Blitz is you know one of my one of my all time favorite bands, and 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 the likelihood of doing you know any new bliss material that wasn't gonna happen so, i think we're gonna um, get mackie on the show actually pretty soon well there you go <laughs> tell him i say hi um we ended up getting mackie uh to we contacted him we're like hey we're doing this tribute record to blitz you know you're among aside from being the bass player you're also the guy who drew all those cool uh, all the cool art on the original sleeves. What was that right? Dude, some, of the, that. some of those seven inches, some of that artwork. Is, yeah, so. I, I love that shit. Man. Oh, I, to wow. me, that stuff's perfect. I mean, it's, yeah. So, so Mackie, Mackie did a, a new, he did a couple new skulls for us for that single. Hmm. Hmm. And cool. then th this is a roundabout way of kind of talking about it. After that, Mackie came to me with a new recording, like a studio project that he was doing. And so we also released that uh, earlier this year, uh, Rose of Victory, which is, um, mm -hmm that's him resurrecting that was a name that they used after the demise of blitz that him him and nige i think nige or nidge i think, I think Nidge, yeah. say nidge, yeah, him and nidge went in and uh you know did, 
I'm sure you guys are probably familiar. They recorded a, just a one single. This is a, is a studio thing. So, you know, years later, he's he's resurrected Rose of Victory, and it's now just a, a studio project of his where he's playing all the stringed instruments. Uh, he's got a guy, I forget the drummer's name, but he's like a he's a guy from that scene. Like he played he played in the Violators and a few other bands hmm. on drums, and then um, he just picks uh, vocalists from from contemporary bands that he likes. And, and has them have them do the vocal performance. So this first one, it was uh, Damien from Fucked Up on the A side, and then uh, Tobias from Soft Kill on the B side. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so I guess the back to the tyrant. This is sort I of. Say, this is this is even longer <laughs> intro than the last one. Yeah, <laughs> you, man, you, you got to be careful. Only, uh, you got to you know, be careful. Like, it's only seven minutes between songs. Now we're about twelve, aren't we? Now. <laughs> uh, so you say you pretty small then. Okay. Yeah, I'll ramble about this stuff, but um, so the so this tyrant release is the latest in that series of um you know me me like i putting said making, new making an exception opening the books putting out some new stuff okay um and it's 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 great it's um just total uh skull crunching misanthropic neanderthal uh hardcore with with an oi edge so that's what we like what's oh, what's the name it. of the song waste of flesh um, waste, waste of flesh yes like yes the, the kickoff for the for the release side a tr- uh track number one That was Tyrant with uh, from Denmark, right? With Waste of Flesh. So, A-Town. So when is that going to be out? Any minute. Any minute. There you <laughs> like go. As soon as he stuffs as the sleeves. As soon as those fucking sleeves show up, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll go out there and assemble them myself. Hey, so, yeah, so, if, anyone, if anyone questions if this is a DIY operation, yeah, I assemble, I press and assemble all copies <laughs> to get releases. Getting, get, so, getting back to the Blitz thing again, it's just a yeah, second. Yeah. Um, did you ever hear the band Attack? I'm assuming you did. I, I 
did. Yeah, that was um, Midges, that was Midges, uh, Mackie's sister, Mackie's sister Lindsay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sound just like Blitz, just 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 like right. the first album. Yeah, okay. Like with a female singer. Um, well, no, she she, she plays yeah. drums, I believe. Oh, the drums. Yeah, no yeah, but they sound just like early Blitz. It's yeah, it's funny. Incredible. You watch, you watch, you know, you'll get Mackie on and be like, all right, but I no Blitz questions. <laughs> well, well, he does have a lot. Of, he does have a lot of stuff going on. I mean, he's got a lot of things in the in the pipe. I think so. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of it's it's weird. He, he he got kind of excited by the soft kill thing, and then yeah, he's really kind of hit. I mean, there's already I think another Rosa Victory single in the works. Um, I don't I don't think the vocalists are confirmed, but, but I mean they're you know definitely a couple the ones the names I heard put forward were ones that will get people's attention. So huh. and I, I don't have you guys heard that stuff the the newer stuff? I have not. Okay, it's it's cool. It's it's it kind of leans more sort of like somewhere between. Um, Blitz and Killing Joke. Yeah, he oh, did. Okay. So he's got a he's got a new thing called Rivalry with uh, a guy called uh, Mark McGill. And, I just heard about. It. Yeah, and he we actually played the first track a couple a couple of episodes ago. It's good. Yeah, it's very much in that same kind of vein as you were just describing. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I wonder if Rivalry will be more kind of like a like a more permanent thing because I mean this Rosa Victory thing is definitely like a you know I don't. I don't really see. They might they might perform some of the songs live in rivalry, but I mean, they, you know, with all these people, singers in different countries and stuff, it's not like it's it'd be practical right. to have any kind of. Yeah, but yeah. it's a studio, yeah. just a studio project. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, what yeah. about the, what about Tyrant with it being the one guitar player or whatever in the U.S.? I mean, are they ever do they play shows? Well, he's he's American, but he's he's based in Copenhagen. Oh, I gotcha. So they are with you. Um, they are actually getting ready to play shows for the first time. This is funny. Back to the whole re, seems to be the recurring theme of. of purity and punk purity um from what i understand and hopefully will or no one will get mad at me for uh you know <laughs> giving up some inside secrets but i guess I, I dig this the drummer has been insistent that they need to have enough songs for a full set before they play it's like right now they've got i think seven songs mm. he does he doesn't want to do covers and he doesn't want to do any live shows until you know they've got a you know a good 20 minute set so mm. Way to keep it real, man. I dig it. <laughs> you know, I, li I like it. I like it when these artists and when these you know band guys and artists they have like a they have like a vision <laughs> and, a, and a mission. So they, they have 14 minutes worth of music. They just need some amusing anecdotes. Yeah, just <laughs> get it up, yeah, get it up to 20 minutes. Yeah. Right, right. So, so you, let's see. You touched on it, and I don't want to be belabored if it's not something you really want to get into. But so, what do you? What is your day job? Then what? What do you do specifically as far as? Uh, I mean, you work in the record pressing business, right? Yeah, I in 2000, I guess it was late 2014, moved up to to Portland, and um, was that from Virginia? Then you'd been to that Virginia. Was from, that was from no, I, I we were only in Virginia for two years, and I actually I went back to California, and I, I okay. spent I spent ten years in Orange County around like Huntington Beach. Also went to South, and, Southern California. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and that move was made at the time because there was a. Uh, there was a concentration of bands that I was working with that were in Orange County, and and I think the theory was that it would be hopefully sort of a, a return, well, just a return to form where, like, you know, in the San Francisco days, we we dealt with bands from all over, but you know, we had it, we had a core group of bands that that uh, we worked local. with in San Francisco, and we were involved in local shows and festivals and all that. So I was the theory was that I could kind of that would be a scenario that would allow me to kind of get back to that mode. Now was that um, was that when you did stuff with Broken Bottles? 
Yes. Because we're broken big. Bottle. We're both big Broken Bottles fans. Yeah, Broken Bottles. Oh, are great. oh cool. Yeah, yeah no, love great, those guys. Great man, great guys. Um, That's a record that deserves a repress. Yeah. That hospital record is not super easy to get. Yeah, that was that was tough, especially the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. that was. Um, you know that that all kind of went down when I mean the, the press the pressing for that and everything went down when uh, Jesse passed away. So right. it was, oh, was he already gone? That oh, okay, I didn't realize. But by the time yeah, by the time the the vinyl was ready, yeah. yeah. Well, my buddy my buddy Richie hooked me up luckily, so I'm all set. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, no, he was Richie was tight is tight with all those guys. That whole he scene. put out the dogs like when he started his little label. The first one of the first things he put out was that dogs record that pre pre bottles thing broken yeah, bottles yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I think they had only had a seven inch, but he did a whole like album. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like a lost album or something. I can't remember. But yeah. so, so anyway, I'm sorry. What so what is it you you do within the record pressing business? I mean, you what's your what's your aspect of it? Um. Well, I I'm the I'm one of the owners and founders of Cascade Record Pressing. So hmm. we have we have a vinyl you know vinyl automated vinyl manufacturing plant here it's the only one in the pacific northwest um i'm not sure if it's the only pressing plant that's been in oregon ever hmm. but um you know we, we can't i can't really find any any data or details about one previous i know i know that there was a i can't remember the name of it there was a place outside of seattle in the 80s that was doing the um the styrene injection 45s which is okay. kind of a, a different process from what we just do the plain old-fashioned compression molded you know, mm -hmm. records but um yeah i mean me yeah me and uh my my friend uh jeff troon uh who's a old friend of mine played in the tko band uh, straight jacket from portland also yep. played in uh, the chemicals and uh a bunch of other bands too but yeah we i mean we built this place from the ground up how, um, do you do you work in the office? Do you work on the floor? What do you do? A little bit of everything? What do you? What do you I've do? done a little bit of everything. I mean, I'm not Jeff is Jeff is has way much more of a mechanical background than I do. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm not coming to this as a as a mechanic or an electrician or you know a, a hydraulic. You're more the guy who can deal with the other. customers. Well, initially, yeah, I was I was coming in here with my uh, music industry experience and experience uh just understanding it from the label side from the record store side from the consumer side um and and having at that time you know 20 years of contacts uh and and, and just generally being somebody who doesn't have any great talent other than getting other people excited about my ideas um <laughs> that's, well, that's, about, all, that's, that's about all i've got going for me and and uh you know it's it's weird man it's been almost eight years now and you know i'm in a factory that i built here with my friends i was gonna and, say uh, that that sounds though like a very difficult uh industry to get into the vinyl pressing industry yeah that where'd sounds, you get the equipment yeah i mean because <laughs> <that's, laughs> i thought that I was mean, like yeah, all old questions check you're dudes. asking these are complicated questions <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, what, why why choose that? I mean, you know what I mean. That seems like a super well, difficult thing to get into. I don't have any sense. Um, <laughs> this is this is no. Well, it's a good thing um, to get into because hell, there's a, t a ton I, of. I, I uh, mean, the, the short answer is that I we we decided um, that we were going to leave Orange County, and that was really that was a family decision. Um, is that at the time? Uh, 
my my two older daughters were teenagers mm -hmm. and they were really not digging uh the oc life that gotcha. you hear about in the, D, in the di song yeah, yeah. um mm. and uh <laughs> they and just again more references if you don't know where we're living we people ask like where were you living in orange county i'm like have you seen the cover of the middle class seven inch out of vogue like that I know the song, cover. but I don't know the cover. If you ever look at the cover, like update the clothes on the kids, and that was my street. I'm googling I mean, it. You just, just, you know, the 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 cookie cutter, uh, you know, housing track, suburban wasteland. <laughs> that's what Samantha. You know? That's all Smogtown ever sing about, man. Yeah, no, exactly. No, Ray, Ray, is, Ray is the the poet laureate of yeah. that whole yeah, that whole is. environs. Yeah, no, he, he's yeah, he's brilliant. He captures it better. I think just about than any anybody that I can think of. But, um, you know, we were living there and, you know, I was kind of in my own world of, you know, having the record label in the store and basically not having to deal with anybody I didn't want to deal with. You know, it's one of the luxuries of working for yourself. But, you know, they were they were going to public school and, you know, getting a lot of grief because they weren't blonde and they didn't want to be cheerleaders. And... I, I wasn't. I wasn't so much asking why Portland or whatever, but just that. Yeah. Just that particular the vinyl pressing industry. Well, I, I, that, I, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll I'll reel it in. So we knew we were leaving. We decided in Portland, and then the question became, okay, well, what is what's Dad going to do in Portland besides the label? Because the label on its own, you know, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. It doesn't support us. There has to be some other some other sort of attached business. And, you know, I, I, you know, I'd had this, I'd had the store, which was doing all right. And definitely record stores were doing better at that time. And still, you know, we're talking like 2013 and still continue to, but, um, uh, you know, I, I called ahead to some folks that I knew and I'm like, Hey man, I'm thinking about coming up. Like Portland's got a lot of record stores. Like it's, it's most record stores, I think per capita of any, uh, city in the U S is there room for me to do a store? And I, I got kind of got mixed results. I had some people were like, yeah, come on up. It'll be rad. And then some, you know, some other folks were like, look, man, yeah, sure. You could come up here, but you know, there's a lot of stores and you could maybe open and fail mm -hmm. or, or you could open and you'd succeed, but it'd be at the expense of putting somebody else out of business. It just, I didn't, it didn't seem, I don't know. I had, I had a hard time feeling good about that and feeling, you know, coming to a new community and be like, Hey, how's it going? I'm, you know, I'm here to, Put you out try of to get a piece yeah. of this pie <laughs> yeah. yeah you know that, that everyone's already grabbing for and you know in portland's you know famously historically a, a, a music town it's like well all right what kind of mu you know music related services are in need and i you know i talked to a very good friend of mine who was also instrumental in, in getting cascade off the ground uh adam from Tele telegraph mastering and we just would bat around ideas because he, li he lives up here as well and i finally was like hey man do you ever start about think about starting a plan and he's like, yeah, all the time. Uh, but I don't have the funding. And I was like, well, how much money do you, do you think it would take? And, and you know, he, people, other people have heard me tell the story before. He threw out a very naively low number. Mm -hmm. And then in my typical fashion, I pretended that I had that money in the back of my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, again, it was sort of like a game of chicken. We're like, are we doing this? Okay, we're doing this. And, um, you know, amazingly and get against all uh, logic whatsoever, here we are. Um, you know, it was, I, I guess the, the footnote there is that around the same time, that's also when the the saturation in, in the American pressing industry was sort of at its yeah. breaking point. 
Yeah, you know, you were, were, it was a good time to get in. For sure, yeah. Yeah, because it was, you know. High demand. 2013, you know, I'm at my record store. I'm watching the ratio of, you know, it going from when we started, it was like 90% used vinyl. And then it slowly crept up to like 50-50 used vinyl, new vinyl as far as what was selling. And then when new vinyl overtook used, it was like, okay, this this format is back. I mean, it's it's niche. It's not back like mass media, you know, like in the 70s or the height. But it's, it's you know, this is a thing now. And then I would hear, you know, and, and, and all the while, I don't really have an idea of how bad it is for for small labels trying to get into plants because Eric is pressing it's it pirates is pressing my stuff hmm. and, and I'm getting this special treatment. So, I'm so just he's like, pressing, you're not pressing your own stuff pr- prior to cascade. Oh, prior there, to cascade. I was going to say that's insane. There was, <laughs> well, prior, prior to cascade, there, there was a window where, where pirates was doing, you know, once I think when, when Alberti went out of business, um, that's that, who, that's who I've been using previously uh alberti and then united to a degree too and they're still around but but i I switched over to pirates um but anyway i would talk to my other friends of mine doing labels and they're like man i can't even get a callback from plants you know because the because all this record store day thing and vinyl being back all of a sudden you know the major labels who hadn't hardly set foot in a pressing plant since the 90s right you know they just they just sort of walked back in and and uh steamrolled everybody you know and um, so our, I guess our angle, aside from, hey, Portland's a music town and there should be records made here, was also, you know, we think that if your independent band wants to go on tour in April, that you ought to have your record out by then, if you plan ahead and, and not have it just totally railroaded because of, uh, you know, the, the production demands of record store day, you know. Mm. And so I think when we opened, like the first year, we're like, hey, check it out we don't accept record store day jobs here. Hmm. Like we, you know, we're, we're the, put your money where your mouth is independent plant. Like you're dealing with punk rockers, <laughs> you know, you know, like we don't, which you used know. to mean, which used to mean you'd be unreliable, but now you're reliable. That's a weird, that's a weird <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, but it, it's, um, that, that was sort of the angle. And I mean, and to this day, I mean, I tell people we're not like as a business anti-major label, but you know, now eight years in, um, and especially after the pandemic and all the, you know, I'm sure you guys, I've heard you reference it on. on other yeah, we've talked about it ad nauseum. All the yeah. all the production delays. So the last thing that Cascade is going to do is, you know, give the cold shoulder to the people who got us off the ground and and that we talk to every day and keep 100%. us open. Yeah, hundred percent. And let you know, so it's like, hey man, you know. Well, that does put you I, in a class of your own. You know. Dolly Parton called, or Dolly Parton's manager called, wanted to know if we wanted to press her records, and we're like, we absolutely do, but not at the expense of all the people that we've been working with. For past so in other years. words, in other words, we want you to press Dolly Parton records, but she needs to go to the front of the line. Yeah, yeah, and that's what, I mean, I was joking about it. When Dolly we thinking, herself would never it, it, it demand such no, a thing, but her label, she's, yes, she's got evil people that take care. Yeah, of her, exactly, she's, she's got evil people on her payroll. And it, bro- it really, bro- I, I, I was so embarrassed to go home and my wife and tell her. We just had to tell Dolly Parton no. <laughs> that's right it was probably like a duet with miley cyrus or something yeah. who who knows who knows but i mean you know we i mean there was a time where I'd, I'd look at my cell phone and it's like the caller id would say beverly hills and i'd be like man i don't know anybody from beverly 
was fucked. I'm not answering because it was the, it was the major labels. You know, it, was, just, it was Mike Ness. I just stopped. Well, I, no, he, no, he, I, think he, I think he lives in Newport Beach. I, I know. Honestly. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, a little 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 bit a uh, little little bit uh, cheaper real estate there. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, man, it just was. That was sort of the 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 whole. I mean, one of our slogans is in, "Independent manufacturing for independent music." You know. Oh, good for um, you, man! I I think that's fantastic. You you had a dream, or you had a, and you went for it, and you made it successful. Well, that's once excellent. again, people people give me a hard time sometimes because I'm I'm I do get lost in the minutia sometimes. Uh-huh. But did you buy like a '70s plant, or did you buy all new stuff? <laughs> is this new equipment? No, oh, we we bought '70s equipment, but there, I mean, there was no there was no '70s plant. But yeah, the presses, all the presses we have are as old as I am. Um, so you need got, a guy who's good at maintaining them. Well, sure, because all you know, you got to think about it. Like all the old school pressing guys, if they're still alive, it's somebody's yeah. it's somebody's grandpa out on a boat fishing. Like we don't want to drag those guys, those poor guys, back in the plant. Like, <laughs> I know a few of them. I have a few of them that I, I can call if I'm in a pinch. Yeah, but yeah. um, yeah. So we, you know, it's what it takes for people to, you know, the people that I need are one. They got to be, you know, believers in this friggin' psycho cult that I've started here. Not really a business, but um, they, you know they've <laughs> got to be believers. They've got to be, you know, one of our earliest uh, our interview questions would be like, "What's your relationship with music? Like, what is me- what is music in your life?" You know, and that was a, that was an important one. But um, you know, people who are record and music enthusiasts, and then you know, I've got a lot of uh, motorcycle mechanics working for me. Mm. Um, it's you know, record presses. It, it's a very very it's a complicated orchestration of very sort of fundamental services mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's it's hydraulic steam pneumatic uh water and electric those are those are the, those are the five services and so it's just sort of like rube goldberg uh yeah yeah sequential there you go you know, kids that's how the sausages thing. that's how the sausages yeah made. it's 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 nuts and you, you think about it you know like yeah oh, this is such a weird way to store data <laughs> yeah it is you know? it is yeah you know when we have the high school kids come through i'm like i'll hold up, i'll hold up their phone and be like see this like this is you know these records are the precursor for that it's data. i'm gonna put this thing on my turntable and this it's gonna spin around and this needle is gonna go in the groove and it's gonna change your life it's amazing yeah this needle this this needle which is a uh a microphone yeah is is, is going to glide over these this microscopically engraved information on this piece of compressed pvc and yeah and play it back to you in real sound waves so it's not samples it's not ones and zeros and actually like you, you look you look at a record playing back and analog and it's you know, it's a sound wave right. it's not you know it's not it's not a it's not a a sampling of of a sound wave I don't even. I can't even understand how it, as it should be spinning faster as you get towards the middle, right? Smaller circles. I don't understand how anyone. <laughs> well, no, I don't even care. You make a very, you make a very good point, man. It's why when you think about the sound quality of a twelve inch versus a seven inch, the you're asking the, the your your playback system. You're asking the tone the tone arm and and the and the stylus to do a whole lot more work as you get to the inner diameter, hmm. and, and 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 so by by virtue of its nature, it's the end of the end of a side is not going to sound as as good as uh, right. The grooves are thinner, right? The grooves are thinner. Well, it's just it's it's moving. 
you're just what you're what you're asking what you're asking you to do as far as uh, reading the data is um it's got more demands on it at that at that point in the playback. Um, I don't think the, I mean, I guess the grooves are, the grooves are tighter. I think is it. Yeah, tighter. I guess that's what I meant. Yeah. Hmm. But you, I, um, you know, on that it, on that note, Neil. Yes. On that note, let's play some. Can I stick another song in without being chastised? Tom, I I'm think I think another song in because the fact of the matter is, I'm sure it was more than ten minutes. Not only is it more than yeah. ten minutes, but I I've heard Mark's previous intros, <laughs> and if we started introducing <laughs> one song after the next, I'm pretty sure, sure. it's still five minutes. Yeah. We're gonna be here till yeah. We're, the sun's gonna be coming. Up. I yeah. think you should think twice about that, Tom. And I did it again. I did it again. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Thank you very much. Okay. Oh man, this is a this is a tough one. Too. I'll try to be concise. All right. Okay. Yeah. Coming to the stage. Okay, so this is um, another sampling of unreleased material. This is from the forthcoming Poison Idea Young Lords uh, live LP. So this is a uh, a gig that was recorded multi-track um, in May of 82. Mm. So it's the very, very early, early days of the band because PIs PI started in, at the end of 1980. So um yeah this is the Darby Crash Rides again lineup playing. So and uh yeah it's just a it's a really great recording. Um the, you know it was it was it's again multi-track so we were able to kind of mix it and, and clean it up quite a bit and um it's part of a series that this is the second volume in a series of PI live PI records I started called we're calling them Pig Note after you know kind of after blue note and we've got uh john yates doing the kind of the blue note jazz layouts for them and uh mm-hmm. they're among like th- this has been kind of a, a pet project of mine it's among some of the most elaborate packaging that i've done like the, the previous one that came out in 2021 was called the beast goes east and it was a, a live recording uh soundboard recording a cassette so a little audio is a little rougher but it was a document from the, the first time that Poison Idea went back east in 1990, um, and uh, so it's the, it's a you know it's got the live record. Uh, it comes in a gatefold package. There was like a you know 20 20 page booklet bound into the gatefold with all these unreleased photos from the tour, um, you know all the, all the bells and whistles. And um, so this is the second one of those uh, from a much earlier period of the band, just kind of focusing on on as far as the material that's in the packaging is all just all the, the gigs they were playing in 82. And, um, hmm. yeah, it's just, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have to send you guys a copy when it comes out, but I, I've been really proud of these. I'm, I'm proud of this one. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, for the diehard PI fans, I mean, you can't, you can't beat it. So we have two songs here, right? Yeah, because the song back at this period, of the band PI songs were really short. So I snuck two in there. Okay. So I think we have think twice and theme, right? Correct. Is that it? Okay. All right. So let's listen to Poison Idea.
All right, you had a blast of very early uh, Poison Idea there with Think Twice and Theme. So I'm a big Poison Idea fan, I must say. And you're kind of killing me with these things because I saw I haven't bought any of them because I have all the originals or, or earlier, not the originals, but earlier versions. But like I saw you did one of record collectors and I'm like, holy cow, it was just so the packaging was so deluxe, had a big poster in it. And it just looked it looked like you're doing I haven't like I said, I don't have any of the new versions, but it looks like they're really uh, super cool stuff for the kids that are starting to get. No, into it's, the it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's insane. Um, like, it, like, it, like it looks like a double record. It's got so much crap stuffed in there. And Something's you're... wrong with me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've taken well, my fandom of this band to just a, a well, scene. They, a, a, you know, and, and I, you know, yeah. There's it, a lot worse uh, bands to be super fans of. Yeah, no, that that band is just always. Uh, I mean, going back to eighth grade, just been really important to me. And um, yeah, the way you ended up in Portland. Um, it didn't hurt. It definitely didn't hurt. Um, so, um, so what's what's their status? Are they they're done, right? They're not playing at all. Poison Idea is done. Um, they're done. Because yeah, I Jeff. I saw what I thought was going to be their very last show, and then they ended up because they were doing a tour, and they just quit after that. And but I, I think they ended up playing Europe or England at least one more time after that. Right. I, I, I made a joke to Jerry a while ago that they needed to make a shirt that said Poison Idea breaking up since 1993. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, um, but this, yeah, this sort of last arc, I think it was a case of they said, okay, well, this is it. This is our last shows. And then, you know, their fans in Japan and their fans in Europe were like, what? What about us? And, and it was also at a point, too, where Jerry had put together a really good band and they were sounding really good again after a few years of it being kind of touch and go. Well, he had a couple of the old yeah. guys back that sort of gave it a little more authenticity that it oh, maybe had. Oh, Vegetable and... Uh, yeah, Vegetable is what I was thinking of, but I don't think I don't think the Slayer was playing with him, but I can't remember. No, Slayer, Slayer Hippie, Slayer Hippie, since he got out of jail uh, before he passed away, he... Fucking going into the deep nerd shit here. Um, he, played, <laughs> he, he played one gig for sam henry of the wipers uh 60th birthday party okay he, he showed up and it was like that was going to be the last pi show and it was like the night of a thousand members were like you know the current lineup <laughs> played and then yeah. um aldine who, you know who played on fill the darkness showed up um chris tense and dean johnson got up there and played for a bit uh slayer hippie <laughs> got up there and played for a few songs um it was a fun night it was good well, they played in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the end of a tour, and uh, it was like a dream come true. It was, you know, for once they – because they, they never played the Midwest a ton. No, there was really – But for them yeah, to come to our little that, town. That was, 1990 was mission was the first – really the first time. And I, yeah, they, I know they, they played Kalamazoo, but I don't think – they never played Grand Rapids. Before. This would have been 16 or 15. They were supporting the that last album, the uh, – uh, Confusing Con- Conquer. Yeah, Confused Conquer album. And Southern Lord, yeah. Which was a real solid album, actually. Yeah, yeah, no. They, now, they're another one that uh, ne- has never made a bad record. Yeah, um, I, I don't know a lot of their live stuff, but their studio stuff is all really good. Hmm. Of course, I read somewhere where Jerry was talking about the Feel the Darkness album, which is largely considered like their 
undisputed classic and he's like yeah it was just a bunch of junk we threw together it's like oh, yes. <laughs> yeah i'm a, i'm actually getting ready to do we've we've remixed it again and we're gonna we're gonna put another version of it out this year um, see i have the i have a very beautiful silver version i don't think i need to replace that one either you're gonna stuff it full of garbage aren't you? you're gonna stuff it full of stuff <laughs> that I don't want. well it's the same it's the, Comes with the a matchbook and a cigarette lighter and uh no nah, no nah, we already did that with the the king's of Punk one. <laughs> so yeah it's just 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 gonna be music um but it's uh, did you see the one we did with the, the double lp version that we did with all the bonus stuff that's the one I have, yeah. It's like a oh, okay. silver, you have like a one. silver okay. the gatefold double. Yeah, I have that one. Okay, so you have the TKO. Okay, cool. On silver, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because like, right, they, they have American leather, but that's you guys. I mean, I, I don't know what – I mean, it's obviously TKO, American leather. You guys work together. I don't know how the relationship is exactly. but yeah, I, I, do the, I do the vinyl and then anything like downloads, merch, CDs, all that stuff, cassettes, that's all Jerry. It's pretty funny, actually. We were talking. Who were we talking to about that, Neil? Where I was saying, you know, I ordered a bunch of stuff from Poison Idea. Now this was years ago, but you know, he sent me an extra patch and he wrote a little note in there. And I'm like, yeah, Jerry's packing the stuff up himself. I'm like, that's pretty oh, cool. Completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. Don't. I saw him after he'd gotten thin. Like I said, it was at the end. I thought it was going to be the end, but I tell anyway. you, man, Jeff Clayton and Jerry A. They're both healthy, losing weight. Happily remarried. Uh, Punk might be dead, guys. I don't know. <laughs> you know. It's, well, it's, it's funny. Uh, it's funny, right? Because now we're pretty much in the point where I'm more or less measuring the years that it's been since my mother told me I would outgrow this. Now I'm like at like 35 <laughs> years of my mother telling me I'd outgrow this, right? Yeah, yeah. She's a nice lady. I just saw her today. She's she's uh, <laughs> she's come to accept it for what it is. Hey, uh, let's get off the poison idea of love for a second, because you know I could I could no, I could I could, I could I could never get, I could never get into him. Sorry, guys. I could I could never get into him. I was actually amazed when I was looking at your discogs today. Um, all seven six pages of it, whatever it is. How many bands? Um, when I was buying CDs in the early two thousands, how many TKO? cds i purchased now um tell me about some of these bands because some of the ones uh obviously w- went on to become big but other ones uh let's say uh richie whites oh yeah richie whites from austin texas yeah um, snitches get stitches great name for an album garage right yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah they were cool I, I i'll be honest i thought they're two seven inches before the record were better oh interesting um, okay so that was uh that was the band. It was guys from the Bulimics, uh ah, the, great the Motards and uh Los Tigros Guapos. Um I, I had a lot of friends in, in Austin and, and that was kind of one of my home away uh from homes in the early days of the label just because of uh the Dead End Cruisers and the Lower Crest Platts were were early TKO bands that I was mm-hmm. you know buddies with and I'd go out and see. And so I got to know uh in particular uh Ray from the Richie Whites, who was in the Bulimics, and then um, Chris, the singer, who was, you know, previously been in uh, Los Los Tigros Guapos. He just did the one album um, with them, right? Yeah, then I think it's the only record, only full length they did. Okay, yeah. so how about um, uh, let's throw another one at you? So Neil, Neil, just just to show how full circle this is, our our buddy Jason from Austin, who plays with the great newer band, the Oxys. Yeah, yeah. Jason, he's Gottwitz. in the Bulimics too. Ah, there we go. I mean. He, Bulimics have had a million members, so I don't mean to, you know. Well, I wonder if I know him, man. It's he, a... You know, he played it when the Dead Boys, when Cheetah originally put the Dead Boys back together like five years ago or he eight years ago or whatever yeah. it was. He was the guitar oh, player. Oh, man. Have, did you guys ever see? This was a cool he, thing that was He's happening. from Illinois, but he, uh, he's he been in Austin for a few, quite a few years. 
did, did you guys ever see the videos that were on YouTube? This is from probably like 10 years ago now where they were doing a thing. And I think it was the bulimics guys that were behind it. Was it during South by Southwest with Cheetah? They would just, they put a band together for Cheetah. Yeah. And yeah, that was, yeah that was, that was, that was him. That was, he him. was the yeah. So badass, man. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't get to see those live, but just watching those and like, I knew a lot of the players and stuff. And, and um, I just, I could just tell from the footage that those shows looked incredible. And I just, you know, the bands were really good. They were playing the, the songs. I'm also a big dead boys. Fan, yeah. Obviously. Um, dead boys are the best, but uh, you know, they're playing the songs and then, and then Cheetah's just up there just partying. You know, like he was just doing just just like it's almost like he was just playing a lead the whole time, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Kind of, we, yeah we, I, we actually I just saw him. This, we actually just saw him this year. He looks like they probably had to bury him in soil from his <laughs> native country between shows. He does, but, man. Uh, he does. Yeah. The band, was, yeah. The, band was, the band was pretty cool. I was glad to see him. I mean, it's yeah, it's not yeah. authentic. The band wasn't great. No, they weren't. It, no. It's not. Well, they weren't bad, Neil. It was just. It looked like a lounge is, band. You know, you know, like I said, you and I are about the same age. It's the only chance I ever got to see him. So it was, that. I yeah. still enjoyed it, you know. Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, no, we enjoyed it for the sure. Brief, yeah, yeah. The Briefs opened, a, a yep. great Pacific Northwest band. The Briefs oh, yeah, opened. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Briefs, Susie, Susie Moon. Susie. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic yeah. show. Um, let, let me throw another one at you. Loose Lips. Tell me about Loose Lips. Oh, Loose Lips. Yeah, great. Um, that was uh, uh, guys from the Ripoff Records band, The Infections. And um, they... You know, uh, and I don't think I'm I'm saying anything too out of line here. Where like they had a very kind of typical relationship with the, the Greg from Ripoff Records, which is you know it seems like he he would he was very good at putting bands together, and then uh, they would uh, break up you know famously and dramatically. But uh, so this was a this was a post infections uh, you know non Greg Lowry vehicle for these guys, and uh, you know after playing kind of more. I don't know if you're familiar with the infections or the ripoffs or those kind of bands, but playing playing more like the kind of ripoff band. They were they were wanting to do something a little bit more like uh, early bomp records kind of power. Yeah, pop. it was interesting. It was interesting yeah. stuff with the keyboard. And, yeah, yeah. So that was that was a fun one. Um, that's. Uh, so do you have these CDs, Neil? Are you I going do. through like your no, own I, CDs? No, I, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. These I'm going through my CDs because oh. there's some weird there's some weird outliers and they're like you put out a couple of crumbs albums. Yeah. They're kind of a oh just pop. just one, but yeah, yeah. Oh, just, the okay, they were from Florida, kind they of a poppy punky thing. Yeah, they originally uh, um uh, Lookout Records, but they're um I think they're in Long. Raph is in Long Beach now. I don't know if he's put together a new lineup of the crumbs or if he's doing something else, but. That's another connect, connection from uh, uh, the Beltones. Were Beltones fantastic? Were origi- yeah. okay. Originally a Florida, a TKO Florida fantastic. band. Fantastic. If I, I met... can, ki- if I can kiss your ass a little bit while Neil's fingering through his CDs, um, the one thing I will say is you never really strayed from the punk path. Like you never. Yeah, good for you. Some of the great punk labels have really gone down the shitter with their, you know, chasing fortune and fame. You pretty much only put out stuff you liked, I assume. Mainly, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, there, you know, there were a few things that didn't come out the way I wanted them to. You know, um, there's definitely a few records that I think are, you know, you, you, know, you do 299 records or whatever it is. They're not all, all going to be. They're all going to stand the test of time. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think I've been largely re- really fortunate to just work with some really talented, creative people. You know, who were willing to, uh, you know, trust me uh, with their with their music and. Um, yeah, we kept. I'm, I'm trying to think of what did we straight. We did no emo, no sky, right? No, that should be that should be that should that's be a, on our that should you, be on our t-shirt. On your no emo, no sky. No matter what, I never know what now, happened. I, I will never, say no emo, we, no sky. We did do a reggae band. 
Mm. We did uh, and I I'm a, know that. I'm a, well, I'm a big, I'm a reggae fan. <laughs> and um, we did a band. It was, again, I don't know how, if, if you're just across the board, no on reggae or if there's any, any of it. No, I, I, no I'm I, cool. I like, I'm cool on, I like it when I'm on vacation. Yeah. Oh, this Jesus. was a band. <laughs> this is a band called the Rhythm Doctors. Okay. And, and they went on to, a good section of them went on to be in the Agrolites. Okay. So this is, uh, which are, I think are Hellcat Records. Pirates. And, uh, I think from Pirates. Oh, Pirates. Okay, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Press, so, yeah. so, but I mean, that was the, that was sort of the original iteration of the Agrolites. And it was a very much like a Jackie Me Too Studio One, uh, keyboard driven, no horns. Right. Um, you know, just that, that kind of style. And they, they were coming up and they were, you know, they were playing gigs with, uh, the reducers at like scooter rallies and stuff. And they were, you know, just this thing we thought for the style of reggae. I like, we were like, I can't believe these, these kids are playing this. This is great. So we, we did a full length for them. That actually came out right around the same time as the loose lips. And then the only other thing that I, I think deviates from, well, I mean, filthy thieving bastards. Well, that was kind of folky here. Yeah. Right? Or yeah kind of, like kind a, of like a, Swinging Utters unplugged. Unplug. Yeah, I, I was going to say, that's got a lot of lot of vets in it. I'll, I'll give that's that a still pass. still punk adjacent. And then the other yeah. one is, is that a, a few years ago, I reissued the first 7-inch by uh, the DC Doom metal band, The Obsessed. I don't know oh, if yeah, yeah. familiar with them. Well, yeah, um, I would say their early stuff was on uh, SST. No, no, they never did SST. I'm thinking Saved by this. Hellhound, but yeah, you're thinking, yeah, you, you knew who I'm talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they were, they were, but again, they Song also... Year, as a matter of fact. They were also very, you know, from the early days, they were always sort of punk adjacent. And they yeah. were like, you know, they were the one metal band that could hang in the DC hardcore scene, you know. Um, and, I saw, so I saw Obsessed last year uh-huh. in town here in Grand Rapids. And not only does Wino kind of like an ageless wonder, he's still got the long hair. I mean, it's, oh, he's, yeah, he's yeah. got gray hair, but it's super long. But he found four guys who also look like they just jumped off their Harleys and could play music. Like the whole band, like there was no yeah. kids in the band, you know? A lot of yeah, times yeah. now you go see an old band, it'll be like the singer who's 62, and then like yeah. a bunch of 25-year-old kids. No, it's all like old biker dudes. It was good. Oh, yeah, no, I I dig them. I mean, again, from, uh, from growing up in Virginia, I, I kind of had a soft spot for them and a, a lot of the stuff from D.C., so... Um, Pentagram, maybe they're from that area, right? Oh, fucking love Pentagram. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, it was, it was kind of one of those things where this was, this was around the time when we had the record store, and um, Wino, hit, Wino was doing, he'd done a couple acoustic records, and so we'd had him come and play uh, at the store a few times, mm. and then um, I had just done a reissue of the first Iron Cross seven inch, and oh, I, so that I, that's I, the. Which one is that? That's the Skinhead Glory? Skinhead Glory. Skinhead yeah, Glory. Yeah. Yeah. You should so, reissue that again. It's very expensive again. <laughs> that, well, that was the whole, yeah, that was the whole thing. And, it, and we actually, the, the cover we scanned was mild copy from high school. It was just like beat the huh. fuck. But, um, you know that I, band, Neil? I do. I've got that single. Oh, yeah, dear, they, you bastard. That's a great, that's great. The, uh, I saw but, them one time in Detroit. They're great. I, I knew that, you know, Wino knew the Iron Cross guys. So, like, when he, he came through another time, I was like, hey, man, I got something for you. And showed it to him. He's like, "Oh wow, you redid this so cool." I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Hey man, I could do one of these for you." And yeah, there you have it. So we did the uh, the Sodden Jackal. Uh, I think that's the, that's what it gets called, but the self titled three song. So that was oh, you know. Okay. But other than that, that's man, wall to wall punk rock, you know, in, in its various forms for sure. So tell me um, about the Japanese band that you recorded. Japanese old female band. 
Oh, thug murder. There you go. Technically, oh, technically, that's a flat records band. Okay. So, the, and, and there was a period where I partnered with Ken from Dropkick Murphys, and I was doing, uh, you know, manufacturing distribution for flat. So that that's where uh, that dates from. But I did do Last Target, which was uh, I did, did a seven inch for Last Target, which was Ryoko's uh, post Thug Murder. Yeah, it's not so, great. Um, I don't know why I bought that. That was an interesting one. Tell me about how did yeah. you, how how did you get hooked up with Slaughter and the Dogs? Um, that came about through, uh, knowing, uh, Mark Brennan from Captain Oi Records in the business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He had, uh, you know, he contacted me and said, you know, said he was working, he had a whole list of, I think it was like he was doing like UK subs, Angelic Upstarts and Slaughter of the Dogs, a whole, whole pack of, of the classic bands were all doing new albums and, and he was just sort of fishing around to see, uh, you know, if anybody in the States would be interested in doing a territorial license. And that's what Slaughter and Dogs, one of my all time favorite bands. Sure. And um, so that coincided with, um, you know, we started talking about that. And then that was right around the same time when I was with um, working with uh, First Round Promotions, which is sort of like the live promo division of TKO back in San Francisco. And we were putting together uh, the, the first uh, Holidays in the Sun in mm-hmm. the U.S. Yep. Oh, and in the so, U.S. Okay. Oh, there was yeah, a holiday. I had no idea. Yeah, that so that happened in 2001, and you know it was, we kind of, you know, we we kind of uh, changed the format up because, you know, promoting a promoting a a gig in uh, where do they do it? Blackpool. Blackpool. Where, yep. Blackpool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they do it in Blackpool, where you've got the town council on your side, and you've got the community providing. Uh, you know, um, facilities and, and, and yeah, services yeah. and stuff for the event where they, you know, they recognize like, Hey, this is bringing tourism to our town. So we want to support this event. You know, meanwhile here in America, no, man, you gotta, you gotta pay <laughs> the union wages. No one's, no one's giving you a handout. No one doesn't, no one gives a fuck about your little concert. And so <laughs> we had to, we kind of, to kind of change the format with those guys. And we're like, look, we're going to do, it's one stage, not multiple stages. We do, two uk bands at the top of the bill every night so that's a total of just six uk bands that we're having to fly over and then everybody else is domestic but slaughter and the dogs was um i think they were i have to go run around the corner and look at the poster but they, they were playing one of the early nights so i got to i got to go meet uh nick and wayne mm-hmm. um and that kind of just sort of cemented uh me wanting to do um the aware of for the, for the states yeah. yeah and and then we ended up doing a live record too once they'd come over for, for some additional tours so um yeah those those guys are great a lot a lot of fun it was really really wonderful getting to know them um and uh yeah it was a, that was a, that was a fun record and it's just sort of one of those bucket list things you know i think um, i think it's and, like only really the fourth studio album i mean believe it or not as long as they were as long as they were going uh, they had a lot of. Well, they like, did the two early, right? And that was they it. did the two sure. early ones, yeah. And then there was a third yeah. weird one. I think yours was the. I mean, there was a few live albums. I mean, the second one and, was kind of weird, if we're being honest. No, the second right? one's yeah. a, the second one's actually really good. I like it a lot. That's the one with the different with the guy from the nosebleed singing. Right? Yeah, bike yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah, and then and no, I know what you mean though. Then there's the one with the weird kind of heavy metal airbrushed. Yep, exactly. Cover. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that. Like it's one of those things where I saw it, but I don't, I don't even know if I actually ever heard it. But um, no, you're right. It's only. Yeah, only uh, yeah, you did the fourth album, man. That's pretty fourth impressive. LP. Yeah, yeah. I, and 
if, if neither of them hear this, they're probably going to be upset at me, but I got to admit, and this is just the fucking dumb punk kid in me, the the raw versions that we were getting on, like the sort of the rough mixes of, on cassette that they were sending us before we came out, I still like those better ah. than, <laughs> than, 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 the, than the polish. It's been 20 fucking years. I can I can speak my mind now. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to sell it right now. So, well, those, Mick Wayne, don't don't get butt hurt next time I see you. Those but, guys, um, those guys fell out again. I guess they're doing stuff completely separately now. Oh, damn. Yep. I, 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 <laughs> Well, they'll be coming to you with their individual projects. I'm not on social media much, and and and, and what you just told me is a perfect example of why. <laughs> yeah, is is I just yeah I can't uh, I, I I I'm just so tired to see my friends bitch at each other online about stupid shit. I just yeah I can't I can't do it. Anyway, I hope you know, man, those guys have been friends for a long time. They've they've done a lot of great stuff together. I hope they hope they get over it. That's awesome. Hey, we should play another All song. Right, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, do I'll do, I'll do I'll do Tom we're on now. the same page for once, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So All this right. is a band. That I think I'm gonna go see a month tonight on uh, Feb 11th in uh, Chicago. Who's that? Lower class brats, right? Ah, oh, you're gonna go to that little festival? Oh, yeah, that, that looks like fun. Yeah, I do believe so. So, um, if I wasn't gonna be in paradise, I would join you. Tell us about this one. <laughs> All right. Well, like the Templars, the Brats are another band that go back to the beginning of my whole thing, and um, you know, we've we've stayed stayed in contact, stayed friends uh, throughout, and. Um, this is a song that we released last month on a seven inch, but it's also going to be on uh, the upcoming new album that's coming out uh, in the spring. Um, I'm, hope, I'm hoping we'll have it ready by April. Um, but it's this is it's it, it's been a long pause for them. I think the last full length they did was the one they did for TKO in uh, 2006. So is that um, new seditionaries. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. so, so they've, they've, they've done a few EPs here and there, but that's other than I think a sort of like a, a, a comp of the earlier singles or something, you know, something that's like a reissue, uh, they, they haven't done any albums. So this is, uh, the, the new album is called, uh, tales of the wild, the ugly and the damned. And, Oof. um, this song, uh, all the young dudes are pissed. <laughs> this is, is the uh, single. It's just out, right? It's the single, but it's, it's also the, uh, the first track on the new album as cheap trick would say. Um. All right. So yeah. So here, I guess preview of what you've got coming when you go see him uh, next month. Let's spin it up. Wow! 
All right, and that was Lower Class Brats with all the young dudes are pissed. Um, hope, hopefully, they'll have some vinyl or something for sale when I go when I go to that. Cause so it's a, the, the sounds the of the street for festival. Lower class, the singer for Lower Class Brats sings for the Casualties now, right? Do no. I have that right? No. Um, you're oh, confusing. Okay. Uh, you're confusing uh, David from the Crumbums. Oh, the Crumbums. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay another, another, another friend of mine. Another buddy. You know, more buddies. Nothing to see here. Um, yeah, no, uh, no, good. Yeah, very. Well, the very thing is, because I just remember, I remember that I liked the band that he left to sing for the Casualties. That I left, the, I liked the band better that he sang it before the Casualties was the Crumbums. Okay. So the Crumbums, and then also uh, Starving Wolves. Starving Wolves. Oh, like Starving Wolves are good. Right? Yeah, they're good. Yeah, yeah. That was like a. That, that, I think, and I think they're. I think he kind of does. He still does Starving Wolves kind of. And then the Crumbums have actually been getting together. You know, here and there for some, you know, like that. There's that fest that they do in Oklahoma. It's like this sort of street punk fest. Um, oh, it's like okay, fuck you, something. Fuck yeah, you, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, I, okay, I yeah. Yet, but um, they yeah, did that, some pretty cool lineups for that too. Actually, considering it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I've been impressed with with uh, you know some of the bands have gotten back together. Um, you get cheap been... flights to Oklahoma, man. <laughs> That's probably why. <laughs> it's a long drive from anywhere. Dude. No, it's a cheap. <laughs> that was a cheap flight though. <laughs> Oh yeah, I got family there too, so I I, I, uh, I should probably go next time to do one of those. Um, yeah, they, but yeah, no, that, yeah. that whole Casualties thing, yeah, that's that's Dave from the Crumbles. Yeah. Okay. Not, uh, All right, forget it then. No, no, no Brats uh, related stuff there. Well, because it's funny, because the bands I always when I think TKO, I think I think Electric Frankenstein, even though I don't know they've been on five billion different labels. Oh, yeah. yeah. Scene and Poison Idea are the big ones I think of that you've had a relationship with for just forever. Even though Andy Scene's early stuff was on, you know, whatever kind of labels, but how did you uh, end up hooking up with those wild men from uh, North Carolina? Um, that was uh, let's see, that was around ninety nine or two thousand, and um, well, has it been that recent? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, still, still, still almost quarter of I mean, a century ago, Tom. Years, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twenty something years ago, but yeah, it was um, yeah, you know, because TKO started in ninety seven, so it couldn't have been too. Oh, I got you. Before that, um, but uh, you know, I think it was I had in the Bay Area. I had uh, I was friends with some of the folks at um, Man's Ruin Records. Um, oh yeah, you know Frank Kozik's label. And yeah, I remember uh, that. That's not, they're not around anymore, are they? No. no. Yeah, I was just I remember having some stuff on that. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I mean, that was a very very prolific label, and they and Man's Ruin was us and them and a bunch of other labels at the time we were all distributed by Mordam records oh yeah which, which is just folded another, up too right yeah yeah another another uh, past tense entity but um i think what happened was that the anti scene was doing a they did like a double cd they did a reissue of like two of their early albums on man's ruin and while they were oh i know what that, it is it's southern hostility and and the eat more possum i have a copy of that on cd that's the one, yeah. So yeah. they were working on that, and then I guess and I seen drop like, hey, we're working on a new album. Uh, w- would you guys be interested? They said it's the man's ruin, and and I guess they they passed, but they I was one of the first people they told about it, and right around the same time, uh, me and uh, Mike Novak, who used, used to work at TKO, we had really been getting into. Um, the previous anti scene album, uh, Here to Ruin Your Group. Oh yeah. Um, and this is actually this is the point where the, <laughs> the the conversation will segue very nicely 
into the next song. Excellent. Um, See, so love it when a plan comes together, Neil. So here, here, yeah, here, here, here you guys are good. Hats off. Um, <laughs> Better to be lucky than to be good, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I'm well paid. So here, here on your groove, uh, that you know, we, you know, we were just get, we're getting into that record, and it's that's sort of you know, among anti scene fans, you get the it, it's sort of like Poison Idea and and Feel the Darkness. Like you get, you know, you get the people that insist on eat more possum, Southern hostility, and then you got the people who sure. are more into groove and the later stuff and. You know, I, I love it all, but you know, at the time we were really zeroed in on that record, and that one, and then the 15 years of fame, 15 years of infamy, or 15, the, the 15 minutes a, of fame, 15, 15 minutes of fame, 15 years yeah. of infamy, yeah, yeah, that 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 single, which is like a compilation, right? Right, right. So that you know, we were kind of new newish fans to the band, and 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 really kind of rocking out like on a daily basis, the office of that stuff, and then it was like, hey, these guys want to do a new album. Fuck. Okay, give me the phone number, and um. You know, we just went from there. So that and, was uh, Boys from Brutalville, or what? Which album was what, that? The Boys from Brutalville. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great album. Yeah, and then and then they came out. Uh, we had them out a few times, and that's when we did the uh, uh, Screaming Bloody Live. And then, yeah, and then and then by the time I moved back to Virginia, that's you know Jeff was just you know not too far drive away from Richmond. You know, oh yeah, and, yeah. And that's when we started working on the, the first round of of. Uh, yeah, you all, so all you guys reissues. did you did Southern Hostility and you did all those you reissued all that stuff. And so, and it's now been long enough that we are going through and we're reissue we're remastering and redoing all that whole catalog again. Oh, nice! And, and the next one that's up is the the twenty twenty three version of Here to Ruin Your Groove. And I believe the next song on the list is a. Uh, is a, a track from the bonus material because we're doing we're expanding that and doing it as a double album okay and and uh side d has got a, a great live set that was recorded at the 1997 uh confederacy of scum super show ah that's that's previously unreleased so so, um, so what do you okay so how are you going to work this you're going to do like the original album and then like side c will be some extra studio cuts and side d is some live stuff or are you stretching the album out to three sides or how are you doing it no, we try to. I mean, when we do these uh, reissues with the PI and, and and now with the anti scene, is that we try the the AB is the original record. That's that's. Let me tell you something. As a fan of music, and I think Neil will agree, that's the way to do it. Yep. Because we want to listen to the album every time. Yeah. We want to listen to the bonus tracks occasionally. Exactly. So, so when you stick them right on the album, it sort of ruins our groove, so to speak. <laughs> right. So that's yeah. So with this one, it's it's like as you as, exactly as you pointed out. Um, it's the original album on A and B, and then um, side C is on the CD version of the album. There were some hidden tracks uh, okay. at the end, and so we added those to side D because it, the, you know, the, the time length wouldn't work out for, uh, yeah, you know, for that, the that twenty size. minute that twenty minute gap that people love to put on their CD, and then the yeah, last. Yeah, Okay, Boy, that was, let's that talk was about strange. that a second. Why the fuck? Why the fuck? Let's let's let him finish, finish talking about this record, and then we'll talk no, about it. There, there's that, and then and then as you said, and then side D is um, this like a fifty mile like set or something. A five song, yeah, five song set from this this uh, gig that's really well recorded. It sounds great, and you know it's that lineup of the band. It's I think they're they're playing it's a five piece, so it's guitar, bass, drums. They've got a guy on organ, like keyboards. Really, and, and um. Huh. You know, they're so they're doing like a pretty cool. Or wait, no, I'm sorry, I'm I'm confusing that with something else. Um, no keyboards in this recording. Okay, got to just back that up. Redact that. Joe yeah, Young, um, of course, the original and, guitar player. Yeah, no, Joe, I mean it's it's the Joe uh, it's the Joe Trip Barry lineup, 
okay. um, which is yeah the, the groove lineup, which is one of their you know one of the sort of storied lineups of the band from that period. And um, they uh, and their sidebar, I believe they're going to do a some sort of reunion based on that. With I mean, obviously Joe won't be there, but um, yeah, he would he'd have a hard time making it. They're, they're going to bring you know trip trip out of retirement. Well, Barry's and, uh, still involved, right? Like at some yeah, Barry is, and you know is you know as talented as he is, he's playing bass guitar drums whatever's needed at the time you know yeah. he's 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 recording them at his house he's kind of he's a savant you know um but uh but well, yeah, i'll tell you so, what no i'm sorry go ahead no i was just kidding so it's yeah this is this is so i guess the next song that's coming up is is uh, a, a little a little sampling of the bonus material from see now that from, one i only have on cd so i'll be willing to buy the extravagant uh, vinyl repress i'll tell you what but and then we'll so we'll play this song and then when we come back Neil can yell at you for every CD he has that in his collection <laughs> that has a hidden bonus. That's stupid yeah. fucking bonus track. Or, or they or were stupid. A, a, stream, a streaming video or something like that too. All but it was it was a new anymore. technology, Neil. We were trying to yeah. explore all of our options. Yeah, we went to right, 20, 20 minutes of silence. That was great. Exactly. What's the song? Uh, what's the uh, song we're gonna play? The Anacine song. Well, people like you would hate that. People so like this is Anti Scene with people like you.
All right, one of Tom's favorites there that was anti scene with people like you. The good thing live. about anti the good thing about anti scene too is their records are so lo fi that their live like their live shows are really a good representation of what the records sound like. You know? <laughs> there you go. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. They, they they don't they don't set themselves up for a fall with too much like movie magic special <laughs> effects. Yeah. The thing with Joe's guitar playing that I loved, and it's it's the the guy doing it now does a good job emulating him, but it's like when you first start playing guitar and you first learn bar chords, it's like he never went further than that, and it's got that great raunchy raunchy sound when you're sitting in your basement or whatever, and your mom's like, "Shut up down there," and you just like got the just the gain turned up to ten, just I love it. It's like a chainsaw. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's um. Did I can't remember? Did Jeff sort of talk about the origins of that sound? With you guys? Uh, no, not really. No, we didn't really talk about that. Well, here, here, this is the formula. It's you take the guitar tone from Blitz. Someone's gonna die tonight, huh. and and then uh, Venom, Die Hard. Oh, I can hear Venom. Yeah, I and can that's see that. The, that's the origin of huh. the Joe, of the Joe Young guitar sound. Yeah. I thought it was just like um, a really cheap amp cranked to ten, but well, that 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 helps as well. Yeah, <laughs> I can pretty much guarantee yeah. that that's what Blitz had. Yes, a fender, <laughs> yeah, a Fender a Fender Twin uh, with the gain turned all the way up. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, he Joe is a Telecaster. Is, Joe is sorely missed. Uh, one of the presses at the plants actually named after him. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's him, funny. He, I only saw him a couple times. I've only seen anything a couple times. Once again, they don't get up here a terrible lot saw him in chicago once and i saw him in uh, detroit once mm -hmm. but uh when joe died which was it's probably been six eight years ago now it's been a while 2013 yeah, yeah. oh it's so longer now almost 10 years um that's when i started getting autographs i would i never believed in getting autographs I'm like they're punk rock guys i'm never gonna get their autograph but then they started dropping and i and i'm like you know what i guess i might as well have them sign some stuff what the heck they're gonna yeah nobody lives forever the way I get around that with the, the ones that will bristle when I'm asking for an autograph is I'll request them to insult me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I do that with I do that with wrestlers too. So I have all I have all these <laughs> signed pictures from wrestlers. Usually that Jeff Clayton's getting for me, where it's like I was gonna say you have that in common with Jeff too, huh? Yeah, I, I like Abdul the Butcher. Or, yeah, or, I say or, all the old guys. Terry, right? Terry Funk calling me an old whore, or you know whatever. <laughs> I have yeah. I, I, so I like I think it's more interesting. You pin those up on the wall and people go, oh wow, you got all this signed stuff, and you're like. Oh fuck! These guys really hate you. <laughs> what you do to piss them off, you know? <laughs> dude? My my favorite one of that is uh, Tom, my my buddy Tommy the commie who lives in Grand Rapids as well with you. Yeah. Um, he was in. I think he was in Heathrow once, and he saw Shane McGowan in there, and he took over a pound note back when you could have a pound note. I took his pound note over to him and said, "Oh, could you sign this for me, please, Shane?" And Shane's like, "Yeah, sure," and signed it for him. And uh, Tom didn't look at it for a while, but when he when he got back to his seat or whatever and looked at it, it was I was like piss off Yank. Just just stuck it in his pocket. Oh, so good. Yeah, man. Somebody's got to reissue those Pope's records on vinyl. Yeah, the first couple, at least the good ones. Yeah, yeah, the first the, three the, or four. The, 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 the snake, and then oh fuck, what's the other one? Cross it's funny because I. I do have all those only on CD, right? Rump's out, I mean, The Lash, and... Uh, well, I mean, I'm sorry, I meant the Pope. Oh, you're talking about the, you know, the, the Popes, yeah, the Shane McGowan and the Popes. Popes, Popes, yeah. 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 No, no, don't oh, get the Popes, the Popes, yeah. yeah. I, I love, the, I love the Popes, too, but as far as, like, you know, the... Yeah, the Yeah, there was Pope some really stuff good stuff on that, for, on that first Popes album. There was a, some, that was a really good record. 
I like I don't I don't know if he did any after just the first two, but I, I enjoyed both of those. And yeah, I don't even know if they were ever done on vinyl at all, man. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah probably not. Actually, that was right in the middle. They were a record yeah. store day. Yeah, yeah. I, somebody so, needs to get on that. So we should talk about your label a minute here again because I had another question, and before I lose my before I lose my train of thought. So you did the label for a long time, and you said this year especially you got some new stuff coming out that reminds you of kind of the stuff that inspired you when you started the labor. At what point in the label did you become, you know, at some point you had to make a conscious decision of we're kind of going to be a, a label that concentrates on reissues and we're a legacy label. At what point do you, what year was that? And at, at what was the impetus to that? Um, that's a very good question. And that, that was a very real, uh, kind of, a dilemma. Real realization yeah that that i want to say it was around the the 10th anniversary so right around the time oh, really the, that early okay. so it was it was around it was around 2007 well actually no i, I think it really kind of came to actually let me let me let me um, put a footnote on that i would say 2011 is, is really when there was so don't a period. Send, don't send your demo tapes to Mark, kids. Yeah, because I won't listen to. Going to flush yeah, them down the toilet. I don't care. I'm he'll send them. He'll send them to Neil. I'm an <laughs> asshole with terrible taste in music. You never want to work with me. Um, no, no. What I guess what had happened was that I had prior to when we opened the store. You know, we'd gone through what I think a lot of labels went through, which was the just the the collapse of um, the old you know, distributing CDs to chain store model. Hmm. And, and where that, that whole, that whole thing just unraveled, you know, uh, I'd say mainly due to, uh, the, the, the attack or the, the lack of uh, disposable income for our, <laughs> for our target group, all of a sudden, you know, well, the digital stuff, obviously, well, that, that's the other thing that I think, but people so you go from selling it. thousands of CDs, literally going from selling thousands of CDs overnight to hundreds I think the people that blame it wholly on the digital thing, though, I think that's a mistake. Because I think that if the industry, especially the major labels, if they had embraced the digital side of it earlier and had a little vision, uh, it probably would have gone a different way. But they just ignored it. And so it just developed on its own, um, which was better for the fans. Yeah. But... Artists you know, did not but, it, but, well. it, but for artists and labels it totally kneecapped the, the business you know I, I'm a big reader of biographies music biographies yeah. and and especially punk but you know metal too I, you know black if it's a black Sabbath biography or a Led Zeppelin biography I love to read this stuff but if there's one thing that record people aren't it's visionary <laughs> if you look at the history of the record business it's always chasing a trend that's all they know how to do well yeah. this band got big so we need to have a band that sounds just like it they are we need 20 idiots. of them yeah, yeah they are idiots you know i mean for every danny fields there's 1000 retards in the business you know <laughs> So it is what it is. Yes. Don't take it personally. Don't take it and personally, then, well, Mark. Well, no, but you got a guy like Mark who's, who had some vision, but he has to work a day job. You know what I mean? There's no, it's, it's there's no justice in the world. So well, it's no, no, but but I guess yeah. Back to your your, your question. It was it was around I don't want to say 2011 um, when you know after you know a few years of just you know, doing things the old way and trying to shoehorn it and just it not 
working out at all. Um, and then I took, actually took like, I think it was like a year or two off where I didn't, I didn't release anything. Um, I started coming at it more from like, okay, I've, you know, TKL was a record label that opened a store and really now we're a store that happens to have a record label in the back. Hmm. And, um, so, you know, we, I started, and, and it was all kind of tied to record store day and the comeback of vinyl too. But I remember, uh, there was one year, one of the early years where, you know, much, I get at the TKO store, I dealt with my independent network. So when all that record store day started, it was all through major distribution outlets. And so I would talk to them like once a year. And so as far as product allotment, I was treated accordingly. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was not a priority to them. And so after like a couple of years of getting getting the cold shoulder, I was like, you know what, man? Record store day is going to happen anyway. And people are going to show up and want to buy records. I can be mad about it or, or I can make it my nice. own. Sure. And so there was one year where we did a we did a Poison Idea reissue for Record Store Day and a Meatman we're both seven inches of Meatman record. And you could only buy them at, at my store on Record Store mm. Day. Oh, that's <laughs> I cool. didn't I didn't so make them the available. Easter, was that the Easter record? Yeah, yeah. We did the okay. we did the reissue of Derby Crash Rides again and then we did the Happy Easter Asshole. See, I'm, I'm I'm in I'm in Michigan. I've I've been. That's one thing good about being in Michigan. I have seen the meme yeah. in like ten times. Oh yeah, great. great. Man, you um, two might be related. I swear. Get the, <laughs> the fucking... More stuff you can't handle. Yeah. <laughs> no, the meme, oh, meme, yeah. So just just as a by the by, are you, are you you're in Chicago? I'm in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's your take on? You like effigies, naked Reagan? You fucking you love that stuff? all the above. Fucking yeah. love the effigies. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it's not you're yeah. not anti Midwest. Oh no, nah, we're only yeah. Neil oh, no, and I are about no, it. We're only about men. a three hour drive apart. So I'm I go to Chicago pretty regularly. Yeah. He comes here to relax in my relaxed area. I go to Chicago to see shows. So got it. Okay. Yeah, I love I love the meat, the early meat men anyway. I don't know a lot of right. Them. Even their later but, stuff is pretty good. I, I just don't know it, Tom. I just don't know it. But getting back to that Chain McGowan album you were talking about. Oh, boy. So the, no, no the, okay. the Snake was released on vinyl. and And guess what label it was on? This is weird as hell. TKO. No. No, no it, <laughs> was a, it was on ZTT, which was Trevor Horn from The Buggles. It was his label. Huh. Yeah. Isn't that oh. weird? That's weird. That's, but the that second, is weird. You know, we're in the middle of this very deep question here right now. <laughs> no, no. He, he, he's going to buy the Snake album, see? But it was reissued a few times, so you can't get it. Oh. But, but the oh, Croc okay. of Gold... Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. The yeah. Croc of Gold was never on vinyl. Huh. The second oh, one. That's a good, see, that's a good one, too. Yeah, maybe um, you should get the rights to that one and put it out, see? I, yeah, <laughs> I have access. I, don't, I have access. I just don't think I've got the budget. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Shane, Shane needs real money. Maybe um, take advantage of him in his in his decrepit state. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could never do that. Uh, yeah, I lo- love the guy. Uh, got to see got to see them on my birthday one year uh, with Shane and and Phil Chevron too before he passed away. That oh was, yeah, that, Phil. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was a fun night. That was a good show. Um, but um, I, I guess back to the whole discussion. Two thousand eleven ish. We're in. 2011. Yeah, two thousand eleven. I, I guess what it, what it came down to was I just decided like, look, if I'm if I'm gonna do keep doing the label, I have to change my strategy because the old ways aren't working, and so I just need to kind of totally kind of just draw back and, and and retool. And one of them was like, well, I'm you know I have 
I have access to these bands with deep catalog and, um, you know, I got a rapport with them, got trust with them. Sure. And, you know, with the, the four main bands that I work with now, uh, with, you know, Poison Idea and I seen lower class brass and the Templars, like I, at this point, you know, them all being bands for like 30 plus years, I don't need to advertise. I, yeah. I don't need a sales pitch. I say the band's name and you're either you're on board or you're not. You don't have and the cost of recording. You have the, well, you, I, mean, I mean, there's, there's a little remastering. There's some, and all there's that. some production sure. costs, but yeah, you're not, yeah, yeah, you're not funding. Generally speaking, you're not funding from the ground up new recordings, but it, it's just kind of when they've got that kind of built in, you know, legacy multi-generational fan base. Um, you know, I, all of a sudden, like I'm not having to worry about running ads and fanzines, hiring someone to work college radio, all that old dinosaur shit that doesn't work now sure. anyway. I can just focus on making the, the products as deluxe as possible because that's 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 one of the things about making records now. It's like it's not mass media anymore. It's niche, and yeah. you've got a customer base that will pay, you know, retail thirty, forty dollars for an LP, yeah. and you if you if you're serious about doing this you have to honor that and you have to deliver that if they're going to pay that much money you have to deliver that level of yeah quality. if it's going to be a 30 dollar lp it better not yeah. show up without a printed sleeve and a you know yeah you don't get away with it yeah. with 10 dollar wholesale yeah quality level you 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 know you have to have this thing that's like you you have to just go all in on the formula yeah. and and make it deluxe and so that's basically what i've been doing since is it, and, and it's fun for me because that's the funnest part of uh of the job is just really you know getting granular and nerdy and i mean you know the, the amount of research and, and and reference material i've got on, on these bands it's ridiculous and i've got photo albums full of flyers and pictures and you know it's it's um i've got a whole archive on, on these artists and um, i think trust might be stealing your idea because they're kind of doing that with those seven seconds records and they just did aggression job. and they do a great job it's a 30 dollar record but you kind of after only three releases you know you're going to get a, a quality product from them. sure sure no I, I have a couple of theirs I, i've got the bad brain well i've got the bad brain stuff they did which is kind of a i got the circle jerks both the circle jerks ones they've done yeah, yeah. The aggression because you got to convince people to buy a record for the third time or fourth time sometimes, right? Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Hey, you, hey, can't, you can't give them bullshit. You know? Mark, oh, let, yeah. let me ask you something technical about that then. So sure. an album like that, um, any of those old Seven Seconds ones or the Circle Jerks ones. So when you're doing a uh, deluxe remaster or, or repress, what, you know, whatever, um, are you trying to get the original analog master tapes or are you going yeah. from like a CD press? I go, I go for the most original source I can find. Okay. I know. So, so that's any, that's anywhere from, you know, the, the multi-track, you know, two inch tapes um, mm. to, you know, a, a, a mixed down quarter inch reel or in some cases mix down eight ads if that's back when you know eight ads mm -hmm. were in use in the 90s um but then but then sometimes if those aren't available um you, you know you've got to go with a secondary source you've got to go with a uh, digital or even in some extreme cases um an actual uh vinyl playback transfer yeah um which you know mastering technology has gotten so good is that you can you can get surprisingly uh good results from those but 
but I my my rule of thumb is I always try to find uh, you know fi find the original reels first, and um, you know then from there yeah you look for mixed down if that's not available, then it's then a, a good place to start for any of you uh, you know aspiring reissue titans out there. Try to find the earliest CD version of a release, especially if it's a release that's like 20, 30 years old. Hmm. So, so the, generally speaking, the earliest CD version will give you the most uh, headroom to work with um, as far as, uh, you know, the mastering job. Really? Um, yeah, it's just something about it, you know. It's it, you know the ones they weren't that, as you know, formatted for the format yet, or they weren't as yeah. It, it, no, that's 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 exactly right. Where they were a lot of times they were just like straight transfers, and they weren't they don't have all that compression on them. Mm -hmm. and they, a lot of times they're real quiet, so you've got a lot of headroom to kind of push levels. Um, so it's not ideal, but uh, you know, in the hands of a right the right mastering engineer, you can get. Uh, great results you know just because um, just because that word remaster it it, it covers a multiple of uh, a lot of sins right um no you make a very good point that with the iteration of all this computer technology a lot of people can get hand, their hands on the software doesn't mean they know what they're doing right because you get some you get some that sound fantastic you know and but then you get some they can press it on all the nice colored vinyl you want but it sounds like yeah. shit i think and, that's uh, the 90s stuff especially because they recorded it that, that, in, that, in a way that doesn't transfer. Yeah, that, no, I know, I know what you mean about that. The, there's that '90s recording aesthetic that's just like a lot of times we're trying to like de-90s it. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> funny. Well, but a lot of it stuff. too, you, you rediscover. You know, so like the SST stuff's a good example. If you bought yeah. their SST CDs, they sound like absolute garbage. You put the LPs on, they still sound pretty good. You get a lot going, a lot yeah. going on. You know, you can hear all the subtleties or even something as stupid as the misfits if you have a cd copy of walk among us compared to a vinyl copy you can hear a lot more going on with a vinyl copy right it's kind of anti you know it's 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 not logical but that's how it is it's the same with I'll the, tell you what. it's the same with the naked ray gun stuff the naked ray gun stuff the original vinyl is great all the cds and then a lot of those remasters they did in the, the early 2000s or late 2000s they just sound like ass the, the, touch and, the touch and go one. Uh, well, yeah, they did all the reissues on Haunted Town, and they just. Oh, Haunted Town. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, I, I remember those as well. They do right. not sound good at all. They, they sound the, really flat. He did the vinyl. Um, yeah, I mean, another keeping it technical too. Um, one of the things that sort of comes up here at the plant is that um, we don't offer in-house cutting services. You know, for for you know, cutting cutting lacquers for mm -hmm. masters here, mm -hmm. and that's because nobody here is a sound engineer, and you know we're of the opinion again, back to the whole quality piece is is like, look, the mastering job on your record is probably this that has most to do with how your your recording is going to sound on the vinyl format is the that, mm. the most important step is is the mastering, and. So that needs to be done by a qualified professional. And there's a lot of plants who have lathes and offer it, but I mean, I don't know who's, you don't know who's running the lathe. Right. I mean, it could be a fucking janitor. I think that's <laughs> yeah. probably the step most and, bands and, are willing and not to only that, to. Not only that, like a pressing plant is a, is a facility where 
you know, multiple hydraulic ram presses are firing every, you know, engaging every 40 seconds, you know, and this is a tremendous amount of hydraulic power. I mean, it shakes the floor here when the presses mm-hmm. are going. And the idea of trying to run, and, and sure, I know the places that, that have lathes on, on, on in-house, they're probably on like a floating floor and they're isolated and all that stuff. But it just seems, to me, it just seems like a bad idea. It's like, go to a, go to a master engineer. Go to somebody who this is what they do. You know, spend the extra $200. Yep, it's worth it, yeah. You know, it's well worth it because, you know, you're wondering why your record sounds shitty and quiet and, you know, your friend's record is, you know, jumping off the speakers. It's because they didn't they didn't go cheap on the mastering. You know, they they went to someone who knows what they're doing. And I hear uh, like I hear like maniacal laughter behind you, I think. That's, that's, that you, that's behind me, I'm afraid. That's Lydia. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Being crazy going, girls. Going crazy. I'll tell you what. Let's put another we were put another song in here. We've actually had Mark for two hours now. We probably had to let him at some point here. So let's uh play another song and then we'll come back and kind of wrap it up. We got one more we got two more songs, right? One more song. Is one more song? One? I mean unless we had unless we had something else. Unless you'd be like, oh, I, I thought, I thought else. we only had played four. Oh no, okay. No, let's play five, another song yeah. and then we'll come back and Yeah kind of try to tie it up in a bow i don't know i think we left a lot of open ends i'm not sure we could tie everything up but we could try <laughs> so i think is the last one is a uh, it's poison idea feel the darkness feel the darkness mark yeah feel the darkness it's... yeah so it's a live cut of that from uh the live album pig's last stand which okay. um I'm, I'm getting ready to i've we've uh, we put out the first vinyl version of that a couple years ago and it's been out of print for a bit and i'm actually getting ready to bring it back right now so this was recorded in 1993 at their first last show <laughs> when they when they broke up originally. Yeah, the, so this is the original uh, final concert. Um, it was released on '96 uh, on CD on Sub Pop, and then um, wow, what a weird label for that. Yeah, and then and then we we brought it back. Uh, actually, it's probably been two years ago now. But we we brought it back and uh, you know went through remastered it. Um, but I guess one more anecdote about the the Indiana Jones esque aspect of going out there and finding uh, the old reels is that recently I acquired some Poison Idea reels that we thought were for the We Must Burn album, which was the their last album from the original arc of the band, and it's the next one sort of in, in the line for us to do. So I mailed them down to the transfer house to get them to get them transferred over. And uh, about a week later, the guy calls me back. He's like, hey, man, this isn't We Must Burn. Uh, you you sent me, he goes, I think you sent me the reels for Pig's Last Stand. Hmm. So I had so I had previously mastered Pig's Last Stand from the Sub Pop CD. I'm now in possession of the reels. <laughs> so, so this one could potentially sound better than the last so, one. Well, not, this version you're going to hear is the... The, the, the CD, the one off the CD, but at some point in the future, again, because this is the mission now of, of just constant improvement, is, is that we're, we're going to go back and, and make <laughs> use of the make use of these these unearthed reels that were mislabeled, and uh, yeah, there you go. So it never ends. <laughs> I'm going to be fucking with these titles and, and, and doing new versions and, and improving them and stuff and tweaking with them. You know, probably pr- probably till they put me in the ground. So. Uh, Anyway, you know, feel the, dark, feel the darkness. <laughs> feel the darkness.
Was I think the last one from Mark tonight? That was Poison Idea yeah, with is. "Feel the Darkness" live. So when, so when they put you in the ground, Mark, what what uh, when the Rolling Stone does their little blurb on you, what what album do you want them to uh, mention? What's the what's the one if you had to, you know, introduce yourself? Oh wow, um, man, I can't answer that. I'll hurt too many feelings. You don't have one that's <laughs> you don't have one that's just more one that I did. Or, or one, just, just one album that, that just music they, music period. This um, is the greatest I'm, thing I ever put out. Everything I everything I put out. I mean, I know Every, that I I want them to play uh, the White Man Whites. White Man yeah. and Hammersmith Ballet. There you but go. That, but, <laughs> yes. but we didn't. But we didn't. But we didn't do that one. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's you know I I can't I, I can't just pick one because there's there are standout titles that sort of I, I associate with sort of different eras eras of, of the label. You know. Yeah. And, you know, ones from the early days or ones where I'd kind of like maybe fallen off and was getting burned out. And then a particular record we did sort of reinvigorated me and got me back in mm-hmm. love with it again. So it's, yeah, I, yeah, sorry, sorry to, to, to whip out on you on that. But, no, that's all right. That's a loaded yeah, I, question anyway. That's I can't, just, I can't just do one. it. Yeah. I, I love I those questions one. that uh, don't have a good answer. Right. <laughs> well, of course sure. they have a good answer. And the answer is always going underground by the jam. That's always the answer to that question. I don't believe you put that one out either. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but he might like it played at his funeral. Last, last oh. I checked, but it, but it's a good one. <laughs> Going underground, get it? Jesus, yeah. do I have to explain yeah. it to you guys? Get out. Yes, I get it. <laughs> yeah. draw, draw us a picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I think I'm. I think I'm questioned out, Neil. I'm gonna. I'm gonna turn it over to you. I have. I just have a couple. I just have a couple more. Um, okay. So you, earlier on in the interview, you mentioned Dwayne Peters. Yes. Um, how was Dwayne to work with? Because I know you put out a couple of U.S. bombs, forty-fives, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. How was Dwayne to work with? On how were the, how were those guys to work with? Were they cool, or were they? Uh, was he was he going was he going crazy then? Uh, I mean, Dwayne's always been, you know, the real deal. Um, For you sure. know, I, uh, you know, he, uh, he's generally who I wasn't. I wasn't dealing with him on on the business stuff. I dealt a lot with Kerry uh, Martinez. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but I was but I was close with all those guys and. Um, like the swinging utters, the the U.S. bombs and especially like the early version of the U.S. bombs was a big, big influence on me and my friends uh, in San Francisco when they'd come up. Um, yeah, when they they'd come up, and when the Stitches from Orange County would come up, um, you know, those guys are all a little bit older than than my circle, mm-hmm. and you know, we we uh, we really looked up to them, and and you know, we we liked the style, their style, the type of music they were playing, and they were really kind of, I think, for a lot of people that were in that scene, it, it kind of reminded us or it showed us like, hey man, like this this kind of punk. It's still cool. It's still being done. Um, you know, it, it, it's 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 still vital. It's still got something to say. Yeah, to- totally it, it, authentic, it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, those early the early stitches shows and the bomb shows. I mean, it, it was it wasn't a level of danger on like, you know, what could happen to you at like a beatdown hardcore show when everyone's it wasn't like the rat. Yeah, it definitely is not like the rat. <laughs> but I mean. You know, those were wild, out of control shows, and you might lose a tooth. Mm-hmm. You, you you might get your nose broken having fun, like not in even a conflict, but just because of the mayhem and the chaos that was going on. Um, 
I mean, you know, I don't know how many times like I went up front and like spat right at Mike Norman from the stitches and he, you know, turn around with his, you know, his eyes spiraling <laughs> like a, you know, like, like a cartoon and like just lunge at me with, with the, uh, the mic stand and almost lobotomize me and I have to like dodge it like I'm in the matrix or something, you know, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was sort of, it was, it was fun. And, uh, you know, we, again, they, they were, the, the bombs were, um, you know, one of a handful of bands that was really inspiring to us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, getting, getting to do a couple of records by them was, I think we ended up doing three, seven inches. We did, uh, yeah. Co-Broken Dreams, Broken Dreams yep. uh, Tora, 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 and, um, Art Kills. Yeah. I think yeah. that was my favorite era of the band, I think actually. Yeah. They, um, but, um, yeah, they're, no, they were, they were great. And, you know, you know, Dwayne, Dwayne was a lot of fun back then and chaotic and, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally authentic. Like what you see is what you get. I mean, I've, uh, I, he and I haven't spoken in a while. Um, I've had a few people come to me and talk to me about like his, some of the sort of political conspiratory rabbit holes he's gone down with on social media. Um, you know, I don't know, man, I, I, I'm not up on it. So, I, I, it's been commented on to me, but I don't have a comment. He seems to have calmed down a lot on that stuff, and also, okay. and also, it's like, hey, everyone's allowed to have their opinion. It's a free country, so I, I got no problem with it. We're actually hoping, yeah. we're actually hoping to have him and the Godoy brothers on at some point oh, in the future. Oh, Steve, yeah, yeah, Dude, all yeah, great, great guys. Yeah, yeah we, those, we, we've, um... we've actually had him on before. Art and Steve have been okay. on before, and um, yeah, they those guys, those guys are. That was an episode where I don't think I'd ever laugh more than that. And we got done, and we hung up, and we're like, "What are we going to do with that, Neil?" They are definitely unfiltered. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, they de- no, they're definitely yeah, they definitely are, are 80s, early 80s. <laughs> they use words that all of us have used, but most yeah, of us yeah. stopped using. Yeah, no, no I, I love the Um I, Yeah, they're good. Also, deal. haven't haven't spoken to those guys in a while. I was talking to them around the time when they were they were doing a project with uh dennis tech dennis called tech, yeah. uh, yep. last the bad men yep i think that's kind of um, ongoing but yeah well yeah yeah so and then they've actually i know them because back to the tko store um there were a couple times right in a row where uh dennis tech would come with the godoys backing them up and and would play a set at the store and it was sort of like their warm-up gig for whatever west coast tour they were ah, going on gotcha. and i'm a i'm a huge uh, radio Birdman fanatic. Yeah. And so, um, and, and the Godoys were my, you know, being in touch with them was what connected me to Dennis and, and, uh, you know, we got mm-hmm. the, you know, facilitated that whole thing. So, yeah, I don't know what kind of, you know, they, those guys can try to get themselves canceled on podcasts or whatever, but I still love them. I don't care. Yeah. We don't um, care either. Like I said, a lot of my friends, like, look, you know, uh, before pre 2016, like, I, I've been friends with a lot of people and, and with a lot of different views, and it's as long as everyone respects each other, it's not a big deal. That's the way it used to be. I mean, there used to be, yeah, you used to be able to have a, you used to be able to have a difference of opinion and, and not, uh, you know, have it. Yeah, it wasn't the end of the world, right? Enemies for life or yeah. something, or that you're you're not gonna you're not gonna vow to try to destroy the other people's life. And I tell you know anyone who's looking at trying to make things better, and move things forward. Um, I swear, I'm going to keep the politics really minimal. But <laughs> the politics, or the, the the arithmetic of a mass movement is addition. You want to add people. You mean not alienation? Right. 
So all that scolding and all that shit doesn't do anything. Yeah. That's really well put, actually. That that's a really yeah. good way to put no, it. That's, yeah, that's it. Is, yeah. It's a good way to like, look at it. I mean, I'm I'm, and actually, since opening up a manufacturing facility in the United States, this has pushed me even more in the direction. I'm I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm very left wing. Um, I'm, I, 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 you know, not I, no, I wouldn't go so far to say militantly, and I haven't, and I'm not. I don't know, dude. You're a capitalist. You're running this. You're running this plan. I'm, I'm, I'm having to exist in capitalism. I'm a I'm a bad <laughs> capitalist. Um, you know, I, I, by, by all accounts, I should have done this somewhere where I could have hired, you know, child slaves. But I'm a is soft. That the, is that the key to that plant in the Czech Republic? Mm, no. I'm you not, heard, you heard it here there, first. Actually, I, what I'll say about the It's not called Czech Pirates Republic. Press for a reason. <laughs> here, I'll, this is what I'll say about that place. Because it's funny, and this is, does tie into politics. So there's only a couple of these facilities left, I think. I think there's one in Poland, too. But those Soviet-era uh, manufacturing facilities, they were built, you know, in the 50s or something. And they were built on the old 50s record model so that every they have everything under their roof that you need to mm. – like, basically, if you, go to, if you go to GZ in the Czech Republic, you can walk in there theoretically with instruments in your hands and songs in your head. Make you walk in one door, and then a re- and then a, pro- a shrink rack record will come out. Wow! It's like those like there's, those a, there's a studio in there. There's ev- everything you need is in there, and they were built because they were gonna you know these were the people's facility to document the, the workers' culture for mm-hmm. you know for Czechoslovakia. Yeah, you know, it's whatever. like when you were a kid, you go to the fair and you'd like sing sing in that little booth, and the record would come out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but on a huge and <laughs> but on a scale that's like the size of a town. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they, you know, they're these old Soviet era plants that, you know, they never did what happened over here, which was like America. The American plants started like that, too, where they're making their own compound on site. They're doing everything on site. They've got, you know, sure. they've got the recordings there. But then eventually, you know, when music got big in the 60s and the 70s, it splintered, you know, and that's when you get like all of a sudden a, a recording engineer isn't a guy in an actual lab coat. It's Phil Spector. It's Jack Nietzsche. Next thing you know, you're being held at gunpoint. Well, yeah, but it's these guys who are like, hey, you you want my sound? You, I don't work for the studios. You want my sound? you got to come to my studio. Ah, gotcha, you know, gotcha. Everything, everything that's specialized, that didn't happen over there. <laughs> so they stuck with that 50s model. And so now when the American industry is like, the pressing industry has like blown up and then been abandoned. And now like people like me are shifting through the ruins, trying to find all this old gear and put it back together. There's this intact monster facility that does everything over in Czech mm. Republic, and, it, and it's, you know they can make, they can probably do what I, what I press in a year, they can probably do in a week. Mm. You know, it, it's it's on this massive scale, uh, which on one hand is very impressive, and I'm fascinated by it. But on the other hand, I have to, I have to say it's a fucking bitch to try to compete with them. Sure. Well, but you know, you, when, it's, it's when all that stuff's getting sent in with no tariffs or anything. You know it's I mean? massive, but you know, like so, our buddies, like we, like our buddy just had records printed by them. You know, yeah, thousand copies or five hundred copies or whatever it was. Did beautiful work for you know they do all kinds of stuff. So oh yeah, well that's that kind of back to what I was talking about with Eric and and all that was it. Um, the level of customization on the color vinyl that yeah that just before that it was you know I think Erica Records was the spe- the specialist in the U.S. and they're great, but GZ. Okay. And Pirates and through Pirates Press introduced just this whole other level of the customization and the like the split biscuits and the 
yeah, all, the, our, all those different effects. Our, they our do. friend they, literally did a dual-sided UV printed, essentially a double-sided picture disc record. Wow. Pretty amazing. I've never pictured this sound. Those are the best sounding picture discs I've ever heard. Before. Oh, they're not even picture discs, though. I don't. They're not the same technology as the goofy ones when we were kids, where they, the speed couldn't stay steady. And just... no, I think I think you're right. They have a. They have a. I haven't. I haven't actually taken one and sawed it apart. I'm going to, so I can try to reverse engineer it. But but I think it's. I think it's something different where, the slicks and the. I think it's just a regular record that's printed on rather than like a. I don't know. I'm not sure either, but. Well, I, we'll save that for uh, if, if if you guys dare come back and try to have another rambling conversation. We'll save that rambling. for the Cascade one. My, uh, I generally record from my bedroom, mm-hmm. um, and it's almost 11 p.m. I'm waiting for my wife to come in and say, oh, it's enough already. It's time for bed. So. <laughs> mm, hubba hubba. Please, please give her my apologies. Um, <laughs> if I don't know it was going to take so long, I would have went and got another vodka and soda, Neil. <laughs> I brought two beers in with me. I was prepared. There you go. Well, anyway, you know what? We should wrap it up. Yeah, anyway, I think we're but, done. Yeah. But I appreciate you coming out and talking to us, Mark. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Yeah. No, it, was a, it was a real pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And, I appreciate the interest. And we do. We appreciate what you do, man. I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I think you're kind of, like you said, you don't necessarily advertise that much anymore, so you kind of do it low-key. But the quality of records that you've been putting out for, you know, a quarter century is pretty impressive. So, Thank like you, I said, I'm sure everybody – pretty much everybody listening has got a bunch of them in their collection they might not even acknowledge it they might not even know it so well when i it's always nice to hear stuff like that but it's especially nice to hear it from an informed source so thank you well, like old guys old guys who obsess on it like you do yeah yeah we're all there's no it's not a coincidence that we're all sitting here talking to each other exactly and it, it irritates me when i can't pull the name of that obscure ep right out of the top of my head like i used to when i was younger but oh, these things happen these, these things happen right <laughs> I'm gonna lose if I go on Punk Rock Jeopardy. I just don't. I can, I'll remember. It, I just don't have the recall. I can't do it fast enough. Anyway, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, but thanks, man. Yeah. So, so anyway, so you have a store. I think it's is it. If if people want to look at your records, because you you have a little distro, you carry all kinds of stuff other than your own stuff. I was just browsing it today, actually. How do people find you? Oh, just uh, on online at uh, www.tkorecords.com. Doesn't get any more simple than that. Um, We've got Twitter. I assume you got. I assume you got social media and all that stuff. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, which I neglect horribly. Um, so, you're, you're, <laughs> if you've got something you want to talk to me about, your best bet is to try to email through the site because I'm I'm uh, notoriously uh, anti social media, and pretty much the only reason I have it is so someone else won't get on there and impersonate me. Um, you know, not that anybody <laughs> gotcha. would. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, that's not a consi- I'm not checking my DMs on Instagram. If, you know, you email or you know through the website or Smoke Signal, Carrier Pigeon. You know, there you go. Old Snail mail. Yeah. <laughs> send send him your ear. Send him something. Yeah. There you go. yeah. But yeah, so look him up. Check out the catalog. Lots of good stuff coming up. If you're a fan of, like I said, his his four big bands that he mentioned, I'm I'm definitely a fan of all those bands, but a couple of them more more uh, sort of compulsively than others so yeah check it out and uh yeah thanks for thanks for taking your evening and uh talking through dinner (laughs) thanks guys yeah we appreciate that very much and uh to all of you out there yeah uh keep a little mark in your heart stay free yeah we'll see you later see you later everybody bye-bye okay that brings us to the end of another show hope you enjoyed it remember keep a little mark in your heart 
And we'll be back the same Mark time, same Mark channel. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Ah, ha, ha. Ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. What a fucking rotter. What a load of old shit. Thank you, fuck you, bye, boom.